Hello and welcome to the Best Player Wins podcast, where we believe that winning is winning, no matter by how little or by how much. We are your hosts. I am Nate Endries. And I'm Eddie Quinones. And this week, we would like to introduce a special guest. Everybody, please welcome Nick Endries. Thanks for having me on, guys. And I'm sure you hear my daughter already in the background. We have a toddler running around the house here. It's almost her bedtime, so it's pretty crazy at this time. Um, But yeah, I am Nate's one and only older brother. I am a full-time fantasy football manager and a part-time teacher, and that's what I do during my day. Perfect. It's nice to have you on. You know, you're our first guest here. So with kind of that being said and everything going there, kind of we'll, uh, we'll start our prior week's recap here. Um, so we'll kind of start with kind of that top section. You know, we have a section named Biggest Upset. Um, to myself, I didn't really find a matchup last week that was necessarily a really a big upset or huge upset right now. Um, you know, there was one that was brewing for a while and it was uh, you and uh, it was Nate and Lucas. There was something going on earlier in the day where Lucas's team was just absolutely going crazy um, and kind of keeping up with Nate stride for stride. But then after a while that kind of fizzled out. Um, but other than that, I kind of, I kind of had my, my matchup with Jake as kind of the, I wouldn't say it was necessarily a very big upset, but it was still an upset. Um, You know, I ended up beating him by about 30 points or so, about 32 points, you know, and my team had a really strong week. So that's kind of what I had right there. What did you guys have for that section? I had, and I I had the same viewpoint. I didn't really see anything that caught my eye as this big earth shattering upset. And so I was looking at the results and looking at the lineups trying to take in the fact, thinking what team, what matchup would I not have guessed beforehand looking at the starting rosters? And so I guess my biggest upset is Odell's number two receiver. That's Damon over Wakanda forever, Michael. Mm -hmm. And it's really not that exciting to mention because this really didn't come down to execution on any of Michael's players parts. It came down to injury. It was a game where his team a weekend where his team was riddled with injuries with not just one, uh, not even two, but three of his main guys getting injured. And now it's going to be hurting his team for the long haul. But that's one at the beginning of the weekend, I thought Michael would have won and it just fell apart completely uh, for his team in an unfavorable way. I had the same matchup as the biggest upset, really the only upset in our league this past week. And I know both teams were three and three coming into the matchup. But I did highlight on last week's episode how much of a mismatch that I expected this matchup to be based on how many players Damon was going to be without due to buys like Lamar Jackson, Miles Sanders, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Justin Tucker, Indianapolis defense. But obviously what unfolded before the matchup ensued over the weekend was Damon pulled off a big trade. But for me, it was impressive because not only did he make the tough decision to ship out Lamar and Miles Sanders and Henry Ruggs III sending that trade offer, but he was able to pull it off. And more importantly, he pulled off the upset win because of it. And so that was my biggest upset of the week. So with this next section here, uh, we kind of had the most shocking outcome. And again, I think earlier in the week, kind of after we filmed our podcast, I would have selected that Damon one as the biggest upset or the most shocking, you know, but with the trade that kind of went through, I really didn't see something or anything last week that really set out to me that was like, wow, you know, I I wasn't expecting that type of thing. My shocking outcome selection was what I already pointed out to Michael's team. 
and what happened to it. I mean, we expect injuries to happen in the NFL, but for three big ones that happen and all three of them happened to the same team, to Wakanda forever, to Odell, to Drake, and uh, Chris Carson with those three guys, Odell out for the season, the other two out for a few weeks or more. I mean, that is, I mean, that's just as bad luck as you can get. I mean, those are his two top running backs along with his top wide receiver. So that is just, I mean, that's a complete shock. That's not, not something you expect to happen to any team. Sure. I would agree there. My most shocking outcome was a little bit different. It was my matchup with Lucas and it was my most shocking outcome because coming into the week, the last thing I expected was for this matchup to be a shootout. But as the week went on, uh, any expectation that I had for it to be a shootout went down even further because Lucas traded away two of his biggest producing players in Aaron Rodgers and Robbie Anderson for players that he wasn't even going to be able to use that week. Lamar Jackson was out on bye. We know Miles Sanders was proclaimed to be out for Thursday night football pretty early in the week. So I definitely wasn't expecting it to be a high-scoring matchup after that trade happened. But then Thursday night, of course, rolled around, and Wentz popped off. I think he scored around 27 points on Thursday night football. And then Sunday rolled around where Lucas's team, I mentioned it in our group text, he scored nine touchdowns across his team by the first half of the one o'clock slate. And so I was thinking, oh man, what an unlucky matchup for me to get because Lucas, I could already tell, was going to score a huge amount of points by week's end. And then my team erupted. And that was pretty much the end. (laughs) (laughs) So that was my most shocking outcome. Uh, But to cap off our prior week recap, that does give us not anything new in the top two, but it does give us a new number three seed. So as a reminder, Nick is our number one seed now moving on with a six and one record, the fantasy football team. Who is? Nick. (laughs) (laughs) Number two is again, the same team, Scott, the helmet, the helmet in the bush. He is now five and two after taking a win over Sean, who was the other four and two team coming into the week. And the new number three team is me. I uh, moved up to four and three. And with my big performance, I now have, I think it's 0.5 less total points than Scott, who has the the highest amount of points scored in the entire league. And so I have that tiebreaker over everybody else that's four and three with the points scored. So that is our top three standings in the week. And moving on to the segment that we are going to transition every week, which is our monthly segment. This week, we chose to do a team deep dive. And specifically what we're going to do is each of us made a selection for a team on the rise and a team on the tumble. And we'll kind of get into why we made our picks. Nick, why don't you start us off with your pick for team on the rise? Sure. I hope you don't get too flattered, Nate, because... (laughs) I chose your team, El Viaje Ados, and uh, I think this has been obvious. I'm not sure to how many in the league. It's been obvious to me for a few weeks now that your team was going to rise and rise fast, and it's only going to get better once you get some guys healthy. So to me, it's a very scary team. Um, this weekend, you not only won, like you like you said, I mean, you you crushed after the first half. I mean, it was a competitive game the first half. Lucas's team was doing well. And all of a sudden, it was like the scene from the Avengers where Hulk just grabs Loki and just smashes him all around like a rag doll. And like I said, the crazy part was Lucas's team did well. 
and he still got his ass stomped. I mean, it was a crush uh, just from the from your team, and that's that causes or it should cause a little concern, I think, for the rest of the league. Just the way your team dominated in such the fashion it did. Um, luckily, I mean, I think we're gonna get into it later. There's a few few things that your team's uh, having to deal with now that uh, you have to face Eddie with this week, and I think that kind of helps Eddie out. Yeah, Eddie, how was his Spanish on the team name pronunciation? <laughs> uh, out of 10, I'd give it like a four or five. Let, goodness, let, let's, hear, let's hear you say it. El viaje a dos. Perfect, perfect. That's yeah, what I was going for with the yeah. team name. Why don't you give us your team on the rise, Eddie? Uh, I actually had two teams, um, and one of them is you. Just like he said, I think Nick literally recapped everything that I pretty much had in mind. You know, you have a really strong team and it's been getting better and better since week one. Um, and the more it kind of carries on, the better you're getting. You know, you have a lot of guys coming back from injury. Like he was saying, a lot of guys that you're going to be adding to that team here in a couple weeks. It's going to make this team extremely scary. Uh, I'll hopefully be able to sneak one past you this week to kind of slow you down a little bit and give me a little bit of room to catch up. Um, but yeah. And then the next team I have here is Damon, you know, he's also on a two game win streak. Um, and he's also tied for third with you, you know, he's right behind you in points for third place, not in the league, but for third place. Um, so, you know, I have Damon coming up. He has a really tough game this week, obviously with Nick. Um, so this is going to kind of decide where his team sits this week, but yeah, that's, that's kind of who I had as my risers and my faller. I mean, in my risers, um, on this next one here, we'll kind of I, get I, into. I still have to give you my team on the rise. Oh, yeah. Not okay. so fast, Chief. <laughs> but you will be happy to know that, and I'm not trying to flatter my co-host here. I hope it doesn't come across so we talk about each other's teams and players so much. But I do have you, Eddie, as my team on the rise, Iron Man Snap at three and four. And the reason being, I know that you came off of a really bad loss last week, but for the most part, it made sense with over half of your lineup being out on bye. But not only were things looking up for Eddie and his team this week, but he actually went out and secured arguably the best backfield in the league by adding Aaron Jones to Alvin Kamara. That was a huge trade for Eddie that we will definitely talk more about later in the episode. He capped the trade off, in my opinion, with a very underrated replacement of Russell Wilson with Ryan Tannehill, who I know that we've talked about pretty extensively over these first two weeks. You guys know how I feel about him. And not only that, but he put up a big week on the scoreboard to capture a win over Jake. So Eddie is pretty strong at quarterback with the emergence of Joe Burrow and now adding Ryan Tannehill as a replacement for Russell Wilson. He's obviously rock solid at running back with two of the best in the league in Aaron Jones and Alvin Kamara. And I don't think that he's hurting at wide receiver because he's still sitting on Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup. I know Debo Samuel's out, but eventually he'll come back. Cole Beasley's been very productive this year, very underrated ad by Eddie. And not only all those players, but he also added Antonio Brown. And it's yet to be determined how much of an impact he'll make when he actually gets into games, but you can't complain about adding him free of cost. I mean, that's, that's at the very least a trade ship that Eddie has now. I would say his only areas that are needing attention are kind of what we think of as, at least for me, the positional afterthoughts of the lineup. So tight end, defense and kicker. Um, I would definitely, my personal strategy is to prioritize quarterback, running back, wide receiver before those latter three. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a big deal for Eddie. And of course we mentioned he has a matchup against me this week. 
and he's getting a pretty favorable matchup. And I'm not trying to paint this as, oh, there's no way Eddie can lose, but I should note I'll be without James Robinson in my running back spot. I'm going to be without Chris Godwin, who just came out this morning as a complete surprise that he had surgery on a broken finger. So now he'll be out this week on top of being out Will Fuller and Terry McLaurin as well, because they're out on week eight buys. So I think Eddie is probably going to get a win this week. Tie me in record at four and four. There's probably going to be a lot of teams that come out four and four next week, but I would be looking at him as a riser um, among that big, big field of teams in the middle. Uh, yeah, this week, uh, this week will be very big, um, kind of for, for a standings point, I think, and kind of figuring out kind of, you know, who's going to land where and, and what teams kind of are given a little bit more of a shot. You know, a couple of weeks ago, I was kind of sitting back there at two and four and I'm like, ah, I just, I don't know if I'm, if I'm going to be able to make the push. And, you know, you brought up that trade and obviously we'll kind of get a little more into that a little later, but you know, it was a move that I needed to make and I needed to make it now. So. Yeah. yeah, I'm actually going to jump in and lead us off with the team on the tumble because it's the team on the other end of the matchup that just happened this week between you and my pick for team on the tumble, Jake, Ric Flair, Drip, also at three and four. So this is pretty interesting. I picked two teams with the same record, but I think they're kind of trending in opposite directions. Reason I picked Jake, uh, first off, he's coming off of two straight losses and in in part, that's been because his quarterback situation has been an absolute headache since Dak went down for the season. Um, I will give him credit and say that he once had one of the brightest looking teams in the league with Dak Prescott, Justin Herbert, Christian McCaffrey, Calvin Ridley, Allen Robinson, Will Fuller V, Travis Kelsey, and even beyond those stars, he had depth to his roster at the beginning of the year. So I think more than anything, Jake has been really hampered by injuries. Um but it is worth mentioning that even with those two losses that he just faced, he has an even tougher schedule ahead. Um, he's going to be playing me. He's going to be playing, again, my pick for team on the rise. He's playing Eddie again. He's going to be playing Sean's team. Uh, or actually, I'm sorry. He played me two weeks ago. He just played Eddie. And now he's playing Sean this week. So rough stretch of three weeks for Jake. Uh, but that would be my pick for team on the tumble. Yeah, and I think that's a pretty good one. For me, I, I kind of have I have Lucas here. You know, he's lost three games in a row. He started off pretty well. Um, he was sitting at two and two after four weeks, and then his team just kind of went downhill after that. And it just became very, very unfortunate for him. Um, his lineup has just gotten worse and worse on a weekly basis. I think with the addition of Lamar um, and some of those other players, I think it's, it's really good for him in the long run. You know, he's, he's kind of got some players there, but right now his team is just trending downward. And I think that trade gives a little bit of hope for him. But right now I, I just have Lucas kind of declining and declining. Yeah, my team on a tumble is Keegan's team, which he just renamed to not last. And it was certainly a tough week for his team with more than half his lineup all scoring below the 10-point mark which in my mind, it's not a great mark uh, to get, but at least it's, it's not something that's atrocious to look at if your players get double digits. But uh, he had seven guys this past week all score below the 10-point mark, including what was hoping to be his bell cow in uh, the new trade that he just made in DK Metcalf, who had a disappointing game. Although I have to say, I think he definitely should have been awarded some fantasy points for that chase down tackle he did 
what was it Sunday night football? That was, that was just amazing. I mean, he should have got awarded a touchdown for that. I think for his touchdown saving tackle, but fantasy wise, he underperformed DK that is, and not just looking at this weekend's results, but if you look at, I think it's the past four weeks, his team has definitely been trending in the wrong direction, unfortunately, though I will give him a shout out in that his team is the only one that has given my team uh, my only loss in the year. But since that, since him beating my team, I think it was four or five weeks ago, his team has gone one in three with his sole win against Kyron's team, who we all know has been struggling. And so that gives me big cause for concern uh, to label them now as a team on the tumble. The fair point of view. With that, we're going to transition into our weekly matchup preview for the upcoming week eight. And we're going to start with best matchup. So for me, my best matchup coming into this week is Damon versus Nick. And my guess is that Eddie picked that as well because he mentioned to me that he was looking forward to that matchup about 30 minutes ago. But my reasoning for picking Damon versus Nick as best matchup is that Damon's team, with the exception of this past week, has been one of the top scorers in the league on a weekly basis. And despite Nick's shiny 6-1 and record, he has failed to put up 150 points in each of his last two weeks. So it's not necessarily as sunshine and rainbows as you might think for Nick up there at 6-1. and And We've been on cruise control. Yeah. More more than that, Damon's team should be at full strength this week. And if there's any team in the league that can knock Nick off of his win streak, I think it's this poop loving ACL tearing football squad. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. um, And, and you, and you just literally just mentioned it. Um, You know, I do, I do have Nick and Damon as kind of my best matchup for this week, not only because of the impact that, a win could have kind of on the standings a little bit, you know, it, it inches everyone one inch closer to, to Nick, you know, if Nick drops a six and two, you know, there might be a couple teams or a few teams that could be sitting at five and three, you know, one game away from him. And it only takes one more loss after that to kind of tie things up um, and kind of shake those standings up near the top. Again, Damon's team is just getting a little stronger. Obviously he lost Lamar. But I think with the addition of um, of Aaron Rodgers and some of those other players that he's picked up, I think he has a really good chance here of kind of coming up with an upset this week. So, like I said before, I'm really excited for this matchup, and I'm kind of curious to see how it goes. Uh, but I think it'll be a fun one. Yeah, I chose the same game. Uh, I originally was going to select you two, Eddie versus Nate, but then Nate's team dealing with injuries and then looking more specifically at the buys and everything he's having to deal with. I think that matchup favors Eddie. So then I looked at the rest of the matchups and I, I, I do think this matchup my team has with Damon, I, I think it's a toss up. I think Damon's team is really good and he has his dynamic Viking duo coming back this weekend with Adam Thielen and Jefferson uh, who knew that you could start two receivers on the same team and continue to have success. He's had that and he might be getting in his lineup, newly acquired Michael Thomas to his team. And, well, I'm not really sure how he'll perform first week back if he does get on the field. But anytime Michael Thomas is in the lineup, I mean, that, that raises eyebrows. That's cause for concern for the other team, which is me this weekend. So I have a hard time seeing myself as a favorite despite what the records show. I think it'll be interesting to watch. Agreed. Why don't you go ahead and snake us into the worst matchup and lead us off? <clears throat> sure. My worst matchup... I have Scott's team against Keegan's team, Helmet in the Bush versus 
what what do you name it not last that's it yeah. i like galactic empire i keep wanting to say galactic empire but not last and uh i just chose this i think it's um looking at it on paper it's fairly lopsided scott has some he- heavy hitters on his team some big names through that uh, whole lineup and he just got from eddie that russell wilson locket connection that just had i mean an astronomical weekend yeah that duo up. and so those two coming together in that lineup uh, that's gonna be hard to overcome yeah um and that and that's a really good pick right there um uh, kind of on my end i'm more so on the uh lucas and kyron game this week you know it's it's the very bottom of the league fighting and scratching for the last place right there i think <laughs> with that matchup um i just to me that matchup is is going to come out to be quite pointless at the end of the day um unless lucas makes kind of a big turnaround and his team really starts going crazy kind of like they did last week and consistently put up them points then maybe it might make a difference um but at the end of the day it's just the difference between those two teams right now it's just not it's not a very good matchup for me Thank goodness you picked Lucas versus Kyron because I thought that you were also going to go Scott versus Keegan and that I was going to have to improvise on the spot so that we didn't all <laughs> pick the same matchup. But I guess that reveals I picked Scott versus Keegan as well. And the reason why I picked it is because while Scott will be without Deshaun Watson this week since he's out on bye, he's still projected 151 points even without a second quarterback in his lineup, period. And that that's compared to Keegan's full strength lineup, which is projected for 137, assuming that he's going to replace Keelan Cole, who's out on by with Emmanuel Sanders. And I know that we say not to put too much stock into the weekly projections, but I just think it's indicative of the fact that Scott Scott's lineup is too overmatching for Keegan's this week. And I would be really surprised to see Keegan pull off the upset win. So that's my worst matchup. Any concluding thoughts there, guys? None here. Yeah, none here. All right. We will uh, go into our most important matchup. I'll lead us off. And I have to admit, I chose this as I was preparing to do this episode yesterday. So I was preparing on Monday. And then news came out this morning that kind of changes my opinion now, but I'll still give you my original thoughts. So I picked me versus Eddie as my most important matchup this week. And my original reasoning was, well, first, I was probably being a little bit biased because I couldn't wait for the matchup. And the funny part about that is I knew as I was prepping that there would be a 50% chance that I was going to be pissed on Sunday, you know, if I was <laughs> if I ended up losing. Because <laughs> that's how I get. When I'm losing, it's just a bad day for me. But Eddie is 3-4. and four, I'm 4-3. Four and three. Uh, But he, the thing is, he's going to be at full strength this week. While I'm going to be without James Robinson, Terry McLaurin, and Will Fuller, the fifth, who are all out on buys. And then, of course, the news that came out this morning, Chris Godwin is going to be out this week because, again, out of nowhere, he got surgery on a broken finger that was just never mentioned before today. So that makes it a lot less interesting. And I think I can – I'm still going to be mad on Sunday when I lose, but I can at least do a little bit of pre-mental preparation to lose because I'm – I'd be pretty surprised if I were able to pull off the upset win this week. But again, the implications of this matchup is that it would make the playoff hunt very interesting in the middle of the pack for our league for the rest of the year. Cause that will bump him up to four and four as well as bumping me down to four and four. Nick, what did you have for most important matchup? I had the same thing and I don't have another matchup to imp- improvise the shift to. I did have the same thought 
and even now the uh, with it shifting to Eddie being the favorite, looking at the lineups, I still think it's the most important matchup. I mean, can he stop your continuing climb, rising to the top with that? I mean, starstruck team, or and can Eddie avoid slipping the three and five, which would then set up a very tough trudge in the schedule ahead to work his way back into the playoffs to get a playoff spot at three and five. That'd be pretty tough. And I think what we're not mentioning here is that this matchup, both both teams are featuring young stars. You have Eddie's team and a guy that's been proving it week in and week out and Joe Burrow leading his team, the Ironman snap. And Nate, I think you need to call up Tua to let him know what he's really playing for. He's not playing for the Dolphins this weekend. He is playing for you. This is important. This, uh, this league slip, drip, nip. This is bigger yeah. than the NFL. The guys need to know. You need to call him up and coach him to success, Nate. This is a big game. He's playing for the journey to two. That's right. The journey to, uh, I'll use the English version. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead, Eddie. Who's your, yeah. who's your most important? Um, pivot here a little bit. You know, I, ha- I had two selected. So I'm going to pivot to the second one. And I think the uh, important, the most important matchup for me this week, I think is, is Nick and Damon. Um, Cause I think Damon really needs kind of this win. If he wants to separate from the pack a little bit, um, and I think I don't I don't want to say Nick necessarily needs this one because he's he's still further ahead, but he'd love this win this week, um, and it, it would shake up the standings closer to the top a little bit more. You know, if if Damon were to win, Nick were to lose, it kind of inches us like I said earlier, just a little bit closer to being able to kind of overtake Nick. You know, as a person that's in first place, every other team underneath you is always head hunting regardless. So right now it's just seeing that little window and that possibility of you possibly getting get knocked down a notch. And then with your upcoming schedule, maybe some things fold out and kind of opens up room for the rest of the field to kind of take that spot up there. Um, so for me, that's, that's my, my most important matchup this week. Yeah. You guys would like that if I got knocked off, huh? No, for sure. No, no I, I, I would be feeling the same way if I yeah. wasn't the team in first, that's just kind yeah. of naturally how it is, but I'm going to correct one thing you said, Eddie, uh, that I don't need this win this weekend but I have to say, I always want to win. It is oh, never, yeah, yeah. it never gets old to win. Yeah. And, and that's kind of what I was kind of more leaning towards, you know, you, you know, you really realistically, statistically and standings, you really don't need this win considering that your team has been performing up to such a high standard that I have no doubt in my mind that if you lose this week, there's a chance that you might win out the rest of the year. Um, but as a human being, as a competitor, <laughs> as a person that loves to win, cause I completely understand that you need the win personally for yourself. So that's right. I get that. 100%. Yes, yeah. I was following your logic, but yeah, yeah, I just yeah. Can't shake that mindset of always wanting to win. Yeah. So, so we talked about in a couple of these segments, we mentioned some trades that were made this week and it was hard not to, it was hard to wait this long to talk about trade because there were so many trades that happened this week. So that's what we're going to talk about next. We're going to get into trade talk. And I think this week, warrants a little bit more than just our gut reactions but that's what we'll start with we're going to go over all the recent trades that have happened since last week's episode give a quick gut reaction and then we're going to get into the trades a little bit more after we each give a gut reaction on each of them so i'm just going to go ahead and list them off in the order that they were made get your guys's thoughts initially on them and we'll kind of progress down through them and then dive into some of the ones that specifically raised our eyebrows so the first one that happened since last week's episode was what we expected to be the first block, but the only blockbuster maybe of the week, Lucas giving 
Aaron Rodgers and Robbie Anderson and Damon giving Lamar Jackson, Miles Sanders and Henry Ruggs of the third. So Nick, I'm going to toss it to you. What was your initial reaction to this trade? My initial reaction, I actually looked at Lamar uh, pretty thoroughly because Damon contacted me about Lamar as well. And at first you see Lamar Jackson. It's like, man, yeah, I would, I'd like to make a deal happen to get him. But then you look and boy, does he have a tough schedule ahead to where he's not that appealing and attractive. And I think this was a pretty good and savvy move on Damon's part for moving Lamar, getting a great quarterback and Aaron Rodgers as well. I don't think he has the highest ceiling as Lamar, but he certainly has a pretty high ceiling himself. And he's been, and he's also getting a pretty consistent performer um, for the first year staying consistent in Robbie Anderson. So that was my gut reaction. I like Damon's side, but I mean, I get wanting to make a deal for Lamar Jackson. And then there's the big name in Miles Sanders who just happens to be hurt. So I get Lucas wanting to make that happen. It just, in the immediate sense, it didn't really help his team. So I, I thought he'd want to try to win this week. And I mean, certainly his team performed, um, you know, really well. It just happened to play, be playing yours, Nate, who just went off. But uh, that was my gut reaction. Yeah. And kind of to come off of that too, I understood the trade, but was a little confused at the timing um, on Lucas's side. On Damon's side, 100% makes a lot of sense. On Lucas's side, it was a little questionable. You know, two out of the three players he was bringing in weren't playing this week. So, you know, he was out, he's without Miles Sanders and then Lamar on a bye. Um, and this was a week where he needed to get a win. So to me, it was just a little bit of a questionable trade for me on Lucas' side. I think Damon got the better half of this trade, at least for the next couple weeks. I think once Miles Sanders, Lamar Jackson come back fully healthy, I think that tide kind of turns a little bit more um, towards Lucas' side because there's a little more star power on that side and a little bit more of a ceiling. But for the time being, for the next couple weeks, just immediate thoughts, I think Damon got the good end of that stick. Yeah, and I would give credibility to those eyebrow-raising thoughts of, like, why would Lucas do this? He needs to win this week. Uh, I can definitely understand that. Overall, I think Lucas positioned his team well for the long term. Um, he certainly didn't lose the trade if we're talking about rest-of-season value, you know, the players that he gave up versus the players that he brought in. And I know we're talking about our initial thoughts, but the – the beauty in us recording this a week after the trade happened is you can kind of look at it with at least just a little bit of hindsight and knowing now that whether Lucas had those two in his lineup, talking about Aaron Rodgers and Robbie Anderson or not, he was still going to lose to me. So I think now we can say that this definitely wasn't a loss for Lucas, even if it appeared to be at first, but those are just my initial thoughts in the you know, five or six days since this trade has happened move on to the next one, which was another huge deal where Nick gave up Jamison Crowder, Devontae Parker, Joe Mixon, and Mike Williams. And Sean gave up Derek Henry, Juju Smith-Schuster, James White, and Michael Gallup. And I'll give you my initial thoughts to lead us off. I, at the time of this deal, thought Sean actually won. And the reason being is that I know Derek Henry was the best player in the deal, but when they're all healthy and that's going to be a key, I'm sure in Eddie and Nick's breakdown of this trade, them being healthy, because <laughs> that obviously didn't age the trade well in terms of it being even, yeah. but when they're healthy, I would rank the, the trio of Crowder, Parker and Mixon as the second, third and fourth best players in the deal. 
And since we're not like an eight or a 10 team league, depth definitely matters, especially with how expanded our lineups are. So I thought Sean got the better end of this deal, even though Nick got the best player. Of course, it played out a little bit differently to change how the trade would be perceived and how it, how it would affect those two rosters as the week went on and players were declared out. But I will pass it to Eddie to get his take on it. Yeah. Um, and like you said, it, it all comes down to health injuries and people staying healthy. Um, you know, when this trade originally went through, you know, obviously the first big name that you, that I kind of saw on that list was Derrick Henry. And then I kind of worked my way down that list and figured out kind of what that trade looked like realistically for both sides. I think it was a, I think it was a good trade on both ends realistically for the long run, obviously with injuries and stuff like that, it's kind of leaning a lot more to one side than the other right now. Um, but that's just what you get sometimes with injuries and it, it makes trades look a lot more lopsided than they realistically are in hindsight when they first happen. Um, but I kind of felt indifferent about this trade kind of when it went through, I think, you know, both sides are, were receiving things that they needed. So I was kind of, like I said, I was a little indifferent about it. Nothing really, no, no big reactions for it. Yeah, this was obviously a trade I did. And um, I knew I was taking a risk. It wasn't that I left the trade and still felt like I didn't feel great about it. Um, there was a player and uh, Derek Henry that that was just like a player. I think we all have some in our minds that, man, if he can make a deal happen, we'd really like them on their team or on your team. And Derek Henry's a guy for me. I just love watching him play. I love his style. And so if I can make a deal for him and him already being a great player, um, that's what caused me to reach out to Sean about it. And it was over the course of a day or two. It took a while, but um, yeah, it's still, once a deal went down, I still felt shaky, kind of depleting my wide receiver uh, core, but I still was happy getting Derrick Henry. And then as the week went on, you know, I was texting back and forth with Nate. Um, I, I don't usually like to talk to people during trade negotiations. I like to have my own thoughts and make my own decisions. But afterwards, I like to, I like to hear what other people think and texting with Nate through the week. Um, our running joke was, I think I texted Nate like, oh, look, Mixon's out. And Nate's like, yeah, you, I don't know. What'd you say, Nate? 900 IQ. Yeah. Like, oh, you're so smart. Good job. And then Crowder's out. And then I texted him like 940 IQ now. <laughs> so it's just, yeah, all these things kind of took place to, it made it look like an immediate um, sense that I definitely won the trade. I was able to play Derrick Henry. I was able to play Juju, though I didn't, but he had a great game. So he, He's a guy I love too. He's my favorite Pittsburgh Steeler. He's not my favorite fantasy player, um, but he's a guy I love having in my lineup. You know, if you can get guys in your lineup, in your fantasy lineup that you already like to watch and like to cheer for, I find that as just like a fun plus. Um, I, yeah, I don't want to talk too much more, but yeah, it was one I thought was pretty darn even where I was giving up a lot, but then getting something really special in return. Yeah, if only you could get Minka Fitzpatrick into your lineup, that would probably be your dream. Oh yeah, man. Minka magic, baby. It wasn't <laughs> too magical this weekend, man. Yeah. But uh, moving on to the next trade again, we have so many to get through. So I'm just going to keep it rolling here. Next one was Jake gives Will Fuller the fifth, Adrian Peterson and Preston Williams. And I gave Matt Ryan, DJ Moore and Greg Ward Jr. Nick, I'm going to toss it right back to you to get your take on this. Yeah, I texted you or I think I called you after this happened. Um, I think when you analyze it just for what it is, looking at the deal itself, I liked what Jake was getting out of it and uh, he needed a better quarterback and Matt Ryan, I think is, I think he's solid. 
I have a pretty positive opinion on, on him. I'm not sure if everyone does in the league, but I like Matt Ryan. DJ Moore, I think, has great upside. So I think those are two great players he's getting. He's giving up Will Fuller, who I see right there with DJ Moore, maybe a slightly higher ceiling, but he's also been injury-stricken in the past where it's like I wouldn't go for him if it was me, but I see why you went for Will Fuller, as in it can be a big uh, you know, upside to your team, and he'd be, what, a flex player, I think, for you. He wouldn't even be you know, one of those top two receivers to where I can see how it's just kind of raising your ceiling as a team that much more trying to get a big flyer and fuller. So I understood the trade though. Initially I thought Jake um, had what I considered something I liked a little bit more, but it was good. Go ahead, Eddie. Yeah. Um, again, I, I, Matt Ryan coming off of a really good week with Julio Jones return and everything. I, th- I think it was, I think it was a perfect time to let him go. You know, because everyone's thinking, is is he going to continue to put these numbers up? Is he, he going to continue to connect with Julio Jones that way? So people kind of looking at Matt Ryan, giving him a little bit more praise. And I think you did a really good job of letting him go at the right time. Um, you know, you, you've got some other players that you gave up. You know, I'm, I'm a fan of Will Fuller. You know, sometimes he can be a little inconsistent depending on kind of the matchup, obviously. But that depends on, you know, every player has certain matchups that they're just not very great with. But you know, I, I like Will Fuller as a player. Adrian Peterson, again, he has that backfield with DeAndre Swift, but he's, he's still doing a really good job of kind of keeping his own and holding his own back there. Um, and then Preston Williams is another addition to that, that that I really like to it. Again, kind of looking over this, you look at DJ Moore and Matt Ryan as kind of, at least for me, on your side of that end as, you know, letting them go at a really good time. Yeah, and uh, I kind of there's kind of two ways to look at this deal, and I think both are valid. One was Nick's initial reaction, which is liking Jake's side more, and even I will admit to the fact that I think when all is said and done, Jake got more out of this. He walked away from this deal with more coming to his team to help him out than I did. Um, but the other side is looking at it in the sense that I had Derek Carr, Matt Ryan and Tua Tagovailoa on my roster. And I know that if I don't trade one of them, I'm going to have to drop them and I get nothing out of them. And somebody else, not not just that, but one of my competitors gets that player for free. And so for me, I was kind of scouring the league, seeing who needed help at quarterback and not just like could use a tiny improvement, but who would actually be motivated to make a deal to improve their quarterback situation. I found two owners One was Michael because he was rolling with Baker Mayfield. Of course, I was looking before Baker had his big breakout game this week, which didn't end up happening on Michael's team anyway. We'll talk more about that in a minute. Um, And then I was also looking at Jake, who was starting Andy Dalton after Dak Prescott went down for the year. And I initially opened up negotiations asking if he would take Matt Ryan and DJ Moore for either Allen Robinson or Calvin Ridley. And I didn't even really... I don't even think I actually mentioned Calvin Ridley, but the point is I was trying to target, you know, a top 10 wide receiver. And he was kind of giving me a hard time and saying that he would only trade Fuller out of his group of top three of his top three wide receivers. And he kind of had all the leverage because he understood just as well as I did that I had to drop a quarterback next week. So I didn't really give him too much of a fight on it. And I would agree that Will Fuller only has a slight edge over DJ Moore and that they have a pretty similar ceiling. 
I just see Will Fuller when he's on the field, and that is a factor. I will admit that Will Fuller has pretty lengthy injury history, uh, but he's been mostly healthy this year with the exception of one game, and he's going into a bye week healthy, so that's encouraging as well. But when they're actually on the field, I think that Will Fuller can actually meet his ceiling more consistently than DJ Moore can. And I say that because if you look at Will Fuller's target share and his average yards per catch, it just shows a little bit more of a consistent stat line than DJ Moore, whose big games have mostly been due to like huge touchdown catches for like 40 plus yards. So again, overall similar players when the season's going to wrap up, you'll see that they're probably going to finish in a similar point range, but I just kind of like the way that Will Fuller gets to that production a little bit more than I do for DJ Moore. Um, again, I think Jake kind of walks away with a little bit more moving on to the next deal. Eddie gave up Russell Wilson, CD lamb and Tyler Lockett. Scott gave up Aaron Jones, Ryan Tannehill and Cooper cup. I am torn on this deal because Scott got a haul. Don't get me wrong, but I think for the position that Scott was in, I personally think it was a mistake for him to trade away Aaron Jones when his next best running back was Miles Gaskin. We'll talk about in a minute how he kind of backdoored his way into fixing that problem pretty quickly. Yeah, he did it very well. Yeah, so he did. He, he got a really big return, obviously. Russell Wilson had a great game. Tyler Lockett was the first player this season to drop 50 points in one game. So he got a great return, um, but we'll talk more in a little bit on why I like Eddie's side a little bit more, not necessarily from Eddie's team's perspective, but because of the players that Scott gave up and why I think that didn't necessarily help Scott's team. So I'll transition it to you guys because I'm going to talk more about this deal later in the episode. You want me to comment, Eddie? Yeah, you can go ahead and take it over. I mean, I don't have too much to uh, comment. I mean, looking at just this past weekend, obviously Scott's team had a huge benefit from that Russ and Lockett connection. And before that even happened, I I like watching Russell Wilson. He's a, I mean, he's arguably the MVP fantasy and in real life in the NFL right now. He's doing such a great job. And um, even Tyler Lockett having some down games, I thought he was going to break out and get back to kind of being a high producer, which he did this weekend. He's not going to continue those numbers. But then I thought um, Scott was taking a big risk giving you Aaron Jones, which is such a heavy hitter, and you receiving him a, a top running back along with Ryan Tannehill has been doing fantastic. Um, so those are two great names. I know Cooper Cup's a big name. I'm not as big on him. I think he's very touchdown dependent, um, but I know that's another guy that usually you put in your lineup and you don't think about. So that's pretty comforting um, to at least get a name like that. You don't have to think too much on who you're going to start, who you're going to sit. Um, it gives you that kind of assurance to put in Cooper cup in your lineup. So I don't, I don't know which, which side I like better. I think initially I liked yours, Eddie, but it's hard to tell, especially after this weekend with Russ and uh, Lockett going off. Yeah. And especially the way Scott was still able to get another running back mm -hmm. back, which obviously doesn't, doesn't play into the, your deal with him, but he definitely capitalized on what. Yeah, and it worked out for him. He used what he had. Um, yes, for me, obviously, I made this deal, and I, I was really on the fence about it. You know, I was I was on Discord with uh, Nate and Keegan, but I wasn't throwing names. I literally, you could even ask them. I just kept pulling them in, but I didn't say a word about who I was trading with, who I was actually trading within the teams. I told them, I was like, there just might be, some big news coming out here soon. You know, there's some big <laughs> players kind of getting thrown around. Um, 
you know, and, and Keegan and Nate trying to pry it out of me the whole time and asking me, you know, who is it? Who is it? I was like, I can't say yet. I was like, I'll wait till this deal's over. Um, but, you know, I, I was my biggest thing was letting go of obviously Russell Wilson and <clears throat> Tyler Lockett. CD Lamb for me, I explained to Nate after the trade went through with the quarterback situation at Dallas. I don't think CD Lamb is going to get the same amount or consistently the same amount of love that he was getting from Dak Prescott. Now they're even down to Ben DiNucci, who I played against them in high school, and he played at Pine Richland. I don't think CD's really going to get that much love. You know, you see a lot of rookies come into the league, and they're they're usually tight end dependent or big targets on the outside. I think Amari Cooper and the Cowboys tight end is going to benefit a lot. I think CD Lamb might be left out to dry a little bit. Um, and obviously this week he had 0.1 points. Um, but on the other end of that, Tyler Lockett and Russell Wilson absolutely exploded this week. And I was looking at it and I was like, God, I was like, did I make the right decision here? You know what I'm saying? Um, but you know, I, I, I think I, I came did. back down. Yeah. And I came back down to earth and I'm like, it's one week. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not, yeah. they're not yeah. going to be dropping numbers good. like that consistently. Um, obviously Aaron Jones didn't play this week, but I had Jamal Williams as already on my team. And I told Nate during the week, as long as both of my running backs drop 20 points this week, I'm winning. And Kamara and Jamal Williams both dropped over 20 points this week. So I really like my end of the deal here. I think it'll shape out a little better as the following weeks come in, but, but yeah. Yeah. I think it ended up being a good move for both you guys yeah. into uh, the reason being for Scott and to the deal that we're going to get into in a, in a little bit and why it was such a good deal for him as well. Mm-hmm. Sure. Next deal we have Keegan gives up Tyler Boyd, Drew Brees, and the Tampa Bay defense. And Michael gives up DK Metcalf, Baker Mayfield, and Chicago in their defense. So my initial reaction was Keegan wins this trade. The reaction that has developed in me since is that I don't have a winner. I think that was an even trade. Those are my thoughts. Yeah, I see this. Um as a wash overall. Um, I think the one place where I guess there's two spots. I mean, Tyler Boyd's been doing really good this year and he's been extremely consistent throughout pretty much the entire year. Um, you know, and I had conversations with Keegan about Tyler Boyd and possibly trading for him. You know, there, there was light with Tyler Boyd that I liked and I liked the connection between Joe Burrow and Tyler Boyd in my lineup at the time. Um, and kind of looking to fill those gaps. DK is just a big name, big guy, you know, he's going to put up points. Um, I think the, the difference between these two trades, obviously Drew Brees hasn't kind of lived up to Drew Brees type of numbers this year as consistently as he normally does. But on the other side, you know, you have Baker Mayfield, obviously he had a really good game this week, but I think Baker Mayfield either throws four touchdowns and wins the game, or he throws three interceptions and loses the game. You know, I think it's rare to find an in-between for Baker Mayfield. Um, I think so. Across consistency, consistency-wise, I like Michael's side of this trade a little bit better. I'm actually going to make – I'm going to interrupt and make a hot take that I think Baker Mayfield will be better than he has been so far this season. Rest of season, he will be consistently better now that he is without Odell Beckham Jr. That's wow. a hot take, and that's what I'm rolling with. I think he's going to be consistently better from this week forward. I, I won't even count his five-touchdown game. I think he averages more points per game rest of season than he did in the first seven games. I mean, before this game, it wasn't that he was bad. He was just consistently average with, yeah. with 
it just doesn't excite you. Mm-hmm. So I got why Michael made this trade. And my initial reaction was, I think similar to yours, Nate, like I like Keegan getting DK. Um, I just, I mean, that name is just bigger in my opinion than Tyler Boyd. But then when you look at the numbers, even prior to this weekend, I mean, DK is like a three to four catch guy. I mean, he's a big play guy. He makes, I mean, he, he gets a lot of fantasy points per reception with the yardage um, per completion that he gets. And Tyler Boyd's more of a volume guy. So I definitely think this is going to start to favor as we see it in the weeks, as the weeks play out uh, towards Michael's side with Boyd and Breeze. And I think Breeze is going to be more consistent and have a higher upset side than uh, Baker. Yeah, I was just thinking as you were describing DK that he's like Tyreek Hill in Calvin Johnson's body. Yeah, pretty much. That's a good description. Yeah. So, yeah, we will. Uh, and then we have four more trades. Three of them were actually made in the last 24 hours, basically. Two were made last night, one this morning. But the last one that was made before the weekend was Scott giving up Michael Thomas, Devontae Freeman. Jalen Rager and Kansas City's defense, and Damon gave up Jonathan Taylor, Travis Fulgham, and Indianapolis's defense. My initial thoughts on this were, again, mostly even. Um, I like the right now part of the deal for Scott, but I really love Damon being aggressive and going out to get Michael Thomas to add to both Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. So I really like this for the long term for Damon. See, I disagree. Um, I think Michael Thomas is risky. And I think Devontae Freeman is not going to produce. Jalen Rager has yet to prove himself. Kansas City defense is up and down. Um, and Scott f- fulfills a big need at running back. I mean, who did you, he, his best running back before this, after the trade with Eddie, was Miles Gaskin. And now he's getting, I think, a high upside player in Jonathan Taylor, who I think has been fairly consistent. I think he's only going to get better. And Chavis Fulgram, who doesn't have the big name, but goodness, has he produced this year. And Indy's D has been consistently one of the best. So I think long-term, my opinion is I like Scott's end of the deal, especially him filling needs in his lineup um, that he he desperately desperately needs, especially with Taylor. Yeah, and I I agree with Nick on this side um, right here. I think – I think that Scott's got a more consistent lineup coming into the week. You know, he's got, he's got people that are going to get him points on that other side. You know, who knows if Michael Thomas will really play the rest of this year. I literally don't know if he will touch the field the rest of this year. Um, Or at least with the saints, it's just been so inconsistent this year. You know, he's been getting hurt. You know, he hurt his hamstring before the game this past week. There's just been a lot of things that have come up with Michael Thomas that are just make me super questionable, questionable about him possibly even coming back at all you know Devontae Freeman has been not very good with the Giants um you know as a Giants fan it's it's really been a downer for Devontae Freeman coming in you know he really hasn't done anything he's come into the game and he's put up a few yards here and there but it's just it's not kind of what you want coming out of that deal again Jalen Rager hasn't really done much um Travis Fulgham has has taken a lot of that and has run with it. You know, Travis Fulgham has, has done his side for the Eagles and has taken a majority of those catches and those touchdowns and a lot of, you know, what Rager could have had but doesn't have right now. Um, and then the defenses, again, Indianapolis has been one of the best defenses this year. So, Yeah, we will get back to that. I promise you that because I have more to talk about 
uh, later in this episode, specifically relating to that deal. This is just a trade talk episode. Pretty much. It pretty much is. So we're moving on to the Monday night deals where another huge deal, Nick gave Kareem Hunt, Teddy Bridgewater, and Chase Claypool, while Michael gave Patrick Mahomes, Chris Carson, and Malcolm Brown. Eddie, do you want to lead us off with your initial gut reaction to this? Listen, those of you that saw my picture that I sent in the group chat, you already know. But just to put it back out there, I think this was a horrible trade. I'm sorry, Michael. I, I like you as a person. You're a great guy. But I just I just think this trade wasn't very good at all. You know, you I just you're giving up Patrick Mahomes. Yes, Chris Carson had a, a minor setback. But he, it's only very short. It's maybe a couple of weeks, and he's back. Um, personally, I just think this trade is, is is very lopsided. You know the the Steelers. You know, and, and Nate and I were having this conversation earlier. The Steelers like to feature one wide receiver at a time every week. The likelihood that Claypool consistently keeps putting up those same numbers, I don't think, is very likely. You know, uh, Nick came up to me with Claypool about a week and a half ago. And I told him straight up, I was like, I'm not sold on Claypool and I can't really pull the trigger on him. And last week he did horrible. Obviously I'm not saying I'm a genie and I knew that he was going to put up horrible numbers, but I just knew what he was putting up. Wasn't going to be consistent. Um, You know, and I hope Chase proves me wrong. I hope he goes out there for the next four weeks and absolutely dominates, but looking at it realistically, I just, I did not like this trade at all. As a Steelers fan, I also hope that he dominates. And yeah. as Michael's cousin, I would hope that he dominates as well. I'd like to see yeah. Michael's team. I hope well. he dominates too. I love Chase Claypool. <laughs> but I am going to have to side with Eddie here and say that I think Nick won this deal. Although I'll admit that when Nick first told me about this deal, uh, he told me about it on the promise that like I wouldn't text Michael, which of course I wasn't going to go say, dude, don't go accept Nick's trade, please. But he told me about it right before it went through. And I thought to myself, oh boy. Because I knew, number one, that this was going to make Nick's team better. And number two, I knew the type of reaction that it was going to generate in the league. Um, because I think it's pretty obvious that it favors Nick. But then when I was actually going, when the, when the trade officially went through on the Fantasy app, I was kind of going through their player profiles. And if you're just going based off of the numbers that they've put up on the season, this trade... On the surface, while it doesn't seem close, is closer than one might think if you're kind of clicking through the players. Teddy Bridgewater has been a serviceable quarterback. He's not even on the same planet as Mahomes, but he's not a nobody. Um, Malcolm Brown is a nobody. So I was kind of just taking him out of the deal in my own mind to analyze the deal. And that's sometimes what I do analyzing trades. I'll kind of take the fluff out of it, so to speak, to think through what are the impacts of the trade going to be. And so in my mind, this was Kareem Hunt, Teddy Bridgewater, and Chase Claypool for Mahomes and Chris Carson. And the reason why I say it wasn't so bad is another factor that Nick shared with me is that he has the number one waiver claim this week. He's going to use it on Carlos Hyde, who's going to see the number one running back role for Seattle while Chris Carson is out due to injury. And he shared that with Michael. So Michael, not only was he missing Chris Carson in the upside of that number one running back in Seattle, but he wasn't even going to be able to get the next best thing because Nick promised him that he was using his claim on Carlos Hyde. So he kind of, with the Carson injury, with the Kenyon, the Kenyon Drake injury, with Odell Beckham going out for the year, 
And then also with Nick having that number one claim and sharing with him that he was going to take Hyde, Michael pretty much was relinquished of all of the, or any leverage that he might have had. Not saying that that necessarily forced him to trade with Nick, but I do see why he made some moves. Again, I think Nick won the trade, but it, it's a little bit closer and more understandable when you look at it uh, a little bit more closely. Yeah, I agree with your uh, opinion, Nate. I obviously like my end. I think it makes my team better. I think in the immediate sense, people see that, oh, Pat Mahomes is going, and they immediately get upset. One, that they didn't get him, and two, I'm sure that whatever the trade is, they don't necessarily agree. But like you said, Bridgewater is a serviceable and a good quarterback. He's been consistently pretty good apart from the game that he played the Bears. The Bears have been doing very well this year. And he's going up against the Atlanta Falcons defense where he's going to put up. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if he outperforms um, Mahomes this weekend one bit. And like you said, with the injuries that have taken place, he lost Odell. He lost Kenyon Drake. And contacting him, like you said, I let him know, like, I'm going to pick up uh, uh, Carlos Hyde. And so that would mean he would not have a starting running back there from the Seattle backfield. He would have, he'd be losing a lot in a week that he needs to win in the next few weeks that he kind of needs to, he needs to start winning some games at three and four. And so stopping analyzing the trade, I'm going to go back to the player that Eddie was analyzing, Chase Claypool. I want to point out the fact that the Titans targeted Claypool. They had Malcolm Butler, their best cornerback, following Claypool for a majority of the game. So I think this is by far going to be Claypool's worst game, and I think he's going to start being fairly consistent for the Steelers. That's my opinion, and he has a huge play upside. And uh, I think he's going to end up being a pretty good player in Michael's lineup. And I know that Michael, even being a Steelers fan, has a soft spot for the Browns, so I know he's getting a player – um, and him sharing with me with Kareem Hunt, his uh, like liking Kareem Hunt even more with uh, Odell going down. His thoughts were that Kareem's going to get even more receptions, even more targets, that his upside's going to continue to rise during this time. So I get with him sharing with me his thoughts on why this helps him out in the immediate sense, why he has to give up the big name to make it happen. And yeah, I did use some leverage because I mean, I'm positioned in that for the waiver wire to let him know like, yo, you're not going to get the Seattle starting running back this weekend. And so that kind of helped with trade talks on my end. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Nate. I think, yeah, I, I like my end better, but I don't think it's as crazy of a trade as people might initially think. You know, we just got Eddie some cap Michael's POV during the trade <laughs> negotiation. <laughs> Facts. Uh, Michael's point of view during the trade negotiation with yeah. you talking about Claypool. I'm just, I think it's around. helpful to hear it because I think he had some good logical points that should be shared. It wasn't that he was just doing a complete tilt and giving away a big name, trying to get some, something back. He had some good, uh, thoughts. I that, would, the I only do, thing I would dispute of, of Michael's logic that you shared is Kareem Hunt's value. That's going to continually rise. Well, you got to remember that Nick Chubb mm -hmm. is going to be back in three weeks. Sure. But he does need to win now, so I can understand the move. Yeah, those yeah. were my thoughts. Those were his, and I can yeah. understand both sides. One thing I really want to point out is that you said that you wouldn't be surprised if Teddy Bridgewater outperforms Patrick Mahomes this week. That's cap. Patrick Mahomes plays the Jets this week. He's yeah, that's, like yeah, but then once they go up by 21 in the first quarter, they're going to be running the ball the rest of the game. He's dropping like That'll 40. be good for Clyde. It'll <laughs> <laughs> be good All for right. Let's right. get through. We still got two more trades to get through. One was, again, last night, pretty much right after this big blockbuster move that Nick and Michael made. It was Michael giving up Jonu Smith, the tight end for the Tennessee Titans, and Scott giving up CeeDee Lamb, the wide receiver that we've already discussed from the Cowboys. 
Nick, do you want to lead us off with your quick thoughts on this trade? Yeah, I'll have real quick thoughts. It doesn't really matter to me. I think it kind of made sense on both sides. I think Scott needed another tight end that he could probably fill in week to week. John New has a high upside. He didn't have a good week, so it was a good week to target him. And Michael, I think, really is a big Gronk fan, and Gronk's been consistent. He ha- he picked him up, which I think was one of the big additions, big ads this week uh, for Michael's team. And I, th- I think he's going to start Gronk every week, so he wanted to look to move John New and hoping that CD starts to get some upside after this terrible weekend for him, which he can only go up from there. Yeah. Um, for me really quick, just a quick glance at it. I think, um, I think Scott got a pretty good end of that, but with the addition, like you just said that, you know, Michael added Gronk and then picked up CD. I think for him, that's a, that's a, that's a, it's a good position to be in. It's, it's honestly not a bad place to be right now. Um, like I said, with CD, their quarterback situation is really shaky and they're most likely going to be running the ball a lot. So I, I just don't see CD's production going much higher. Yes. Most likely going to go higher from what it was this past week. Cause it was a horrible week, but I just can't see it going much, much higher. Um, so I honestly, I think that Scott kind of got the better end of this deal with uh, John who coming in. I think this trade made sense for both CD yeah. lamb was Scott's fourth best wide receiver and Michael has three pretty capable tight ends in Dalton Schultz had Johnny Smith and Rob Gronkowski. Uh, I would take Johnny Smith number one over, you know, as the top of those three tight ends, but I can also understand that it was going to have to be Johnny Smith that he was going to move if he wanted to get a name at wide receiver in return. So I think it made sense for both. The last trade that we had happen was today. It was pretty small, but I think it was really savvy. It was Sean giving up Christian Kirk and Nick giving up Gio Bernard. I think this was, it was something that Sean had to do. And it was something that I have to give a round of applause, tip of the cap to Nick for doing, which is scooping up Joe Mixon's handcuff off of the free agent wire before Joe Mixon was ruled out and he did it before the Joe Mixon trade even went through and then held on to Gio Bernard as the week went on, even after he accepted that deal and ended up turning it into a player that is a legitimate flex villain, if not a flex starter on some teams in our league. So I think Nick got the better end of that, but Sean also didn't make that for no reason. He got something that he needed. Yeah. Um, and I agree. You know, I think Nick made a really, you know, you guys love using this word, but savvy, you know, it was a savvy move. It's, um, a, it's a nice word. Eddie. Yeah. Yeah. It's a very nice word. Um, but again, uh, it's, it's a really good move by you this week. I think you both filled the spot that you really needed. I think you just executed your side of the trade a little better and kind of got something out of really nothing. Cause you literally picked them up off the waiver wire. So it wasn't like you were wasting many resources to get Bernard in. And you flipped them for Kirk. So kind yep. of my feels on that. So, yeah. I think everything you guys shared was accurate. I needed uh, basically another reliable receiver I can put in at flex. Kirk gives me that. He's had four touchdowns the past two games. I definitely don't think he's going to keep that up, but at least gives you some assurance and confidence putting him in. And, um, yeah, Sean gets some assurance in his uh, Cincinnati backfield getting Geo, who just put up over 20 points in place of Mixon. So it made sense on both sides. Yeah, definitely made sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, I want to wrap up the recent trade portion of this segment by saying, and this is kind of a pat on the back for myself, of the 10 players that I put together 
for the risers and fallers segment on last week's episode, six, a total of six out of 10 were traded in the seven days that have passed since we put out that last episode. So I don't know if that means that people are listening and kind of, you know, excitement is buzzing around these guys that I brought up, or if I hit the nail on the head and these were players that were just more likely to be moved based on their rapid change in value, or if I just got lucky, but I thought that was a pretty cool thing. So I wanted to share that. We are going to transition. I'm sorry. Do you have that list to share? I can pull it up really quickly. And it'd just be interesting to hear. Yeah. While I pull it up, the next thing that we're going to talk about is since there were so many trades this week, I thought it would be fun for each of us to pick our trade of the week. And I didn't really attach a definition to that because I wanted to leave it open to to interpretation. Before we get into that, my risers last week, my quarterback riser was Ryan Tannehill, which Scott traded to Eddie this week. My running back riser was Ronald Jones II. Obviously, he stayed put. My wide receiver riser was Will Fuller V, who I traded for from Jake. My honorable mentions for risers at, at the wide receiver position were Chase Claypool, who Nick ch- traded to Michael, as well as Justin Jefferson, who obviously stayed put on Damon's team. My fallers, for quarterback, I picked Drew Brees, who Keegan traded to Michael. Honorable mention, funny thing, quarterback was Baker Mayfield. They both got traded in the same deal, swapping teams. Running back faller, I had Devin Singletary, who stayed put on Drake, uh, Jake's team. My honorable mention at running back was Kenyon Drake, who stayed put on Michael's team. Funny enough, he was one of the only players that stayed put on Michael's team. Uh, and faller at wide receiver was Juju Smith-Schuster, who, of course, you got from Sean. So that was the full list from last week's episode. Thanks. Yeah. Trade of the week. So I'm going to lead off because I think I took a different angle on this than you guys might have. And my trade of the week, I kept mentioning we would get back to it, and now we are. My trade of the week was Scott Gibbs, Michael Thomas, Devontae Freeman, Jalen Rager, and Kansas City's defense. And Damon gave Jonathan Taylor, Travis Fulgham, and Indianapolis's defense. Now, I was torn between this trade and the trade that I included as an honorable mention, which I'll mention next. Uh, The reason why I picked this trade as trade of the week is because I thought, as I've already mentioned, that it was very risky for Scott to move Aaron Jones without getting a running back in the same deal in return, given how well that his team has performed through the season so far. Uh, But he wasted no time filling that hole, and he moved Michael Thomas at a time where perhaps it might have been his highest value that we might see for the rest of the season, just like Eddie said as much as I like Michael Thomas as a long-term play, maybe I'm saying that from a position of knowing that I don't assume the risk of a player of his stature. Of course, he's a stud and we know what he can do if he does get on the field, but we don't necessarily know what's going to happen with him rest of season. So while I think that's a hit to Scott's lineup, if Michael Thomas does come back, it might just turn into the perfect time to have traded Michael Thomas as his value might continue to deteriorate if he doesn't get on the field soon, especially because he has a new hamstring injury. And then more than that, to kind of wrap up on this, Devontae Freeman got hurt on Thursday night football and and Travis Fulgham continued to show steady production. He didn't put up as big of a week as he has the past few weeks, but he definitely showed that he is very much a part of that Philadelphia game plan on offense. And so there's definitely some bright spots for Scott in this deal after 
again, I think he got good players in the first trade that he made, but I don't necessarily agree with the strategy of the first, first trade. And I quickly wanted to mention on Damon's side, I don't think it's a loss for Damon by any means. Like I've mentioned before, I like the chance that he took on Michael Thomas, but I did like Scott quickly plugging up the hole that I had perceived to be there after his trade with Eddie. And before, before I pass it off to you guys, I did want to just quickly mention my honorable mention was Nick giving up Crowder, Parker, Mixon, and Williams to Sean for Derrick Henry, Juju Smith-Schuster, James White, and Michael Gallup. And I only say that because of how the trade aged throughout the week with Mixon, Crowder, and Parker all not playing, uh, two, to, two of them due to injury and Parker because of the bye. And I'll just jump in right there. I just analyzed like this week itself and looking at the, the trades that happened prior to the weeks or games being played. And so I actually picked that as well, the one I was involved in getting Henry because I had a great back and still had a good production against Pittsburgh's defense. And though Juju sat on my bench, he had a breakout game from having a few bad games in a row, getting nine catches. I forget the yardage, but he had over 17 points. So it gives me more assurance to put him in the lineup. And yes, uh, for Sean's in the deal, wasn't bad. He was getting a lot of really serviceable, good players, just not serviceable this week. Um, Parker on by the other two getting hurt. And then the one player that he did use from the deal, uh, Mike Williams scored less than two points. So in the immediate sense, that was a trade of the week, in my opinion, but I still think it's going to serve Sean well, getting all that depth, that wide receiver and, uh, and Mixon and Bernard back on his team. Yeah, um, my trade of the week, and I, I'm gonna have to go with the trade that I made. Um, and I, I just think because it ages well for both sides, um, as kind of the week went through. You know, um, Scott got in return. You know, Russell Wilson, Ceedee Lamb, and Tyler Lockett. You know, Ceedee Lamb, not as much of an impact um, on that trade, but there's possible room for growth. Not very big, like I said before. I'm not really big on seeing him evolve, but that Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett connection, you know, it'll get you 40 to 50 points a week. You know, Russell Wilson usually having the majority of those points um, and Tyler Lockett kind of bringing in something else. But I think from his end, he, he got something that he needed. You know, he got an upgrade at, um, at quarterback and another upgrade at wide receiver, you know, on my end, got an upgrade at running back. Obviously Aaron Jones was out this week, but, with Williams in, you know, I brought in those 21 points. Ryan Tannehill had a pretty a pretty solid week against a really good defense at 17 points, um, which for me is is good enough, you know. And it was obviously good enough for for me to get the win this past week. And Cooper Cup consistency is what I'm looking for, and he's been pretty consistent, you know, sticking from 10 to 14 points and kind of working his way around there. He's been averaging I think 13 or 14 points a week, and that's really all I need from him at this point, considering, you know, my running back and quarterback situation, I just need him to get those, those 13, 14 points a week. So I, I really like both sides of this trade. Again, like I said, I think it worked out really good for both of us. Um, and it didn't really play out the way that I expected it to play out, but I think it played out well for both of us. Sure. That's valid reasoning behind that pick. Mm -hmm. I am going to introduce a new segment and it's specifically related to this week with all the trade activity that went on. It's called winners and losers. Basically, I picked two managers that I thought came out of this week winning based off of the trades that they made and two managers that I thought came out of the week losing. Um, and I'm talking about, of course, their roster construction based on the trades that they made. 
I'm going to go through these. I know that you guys, I kind of took the brunt of prepping this. So you guys can give me your quick thoughts, disagreeances, whatever you'd like. Maybe add something of your own if you have a different pick for winners and losers, whatever you guys want. But I'm going to give you my stuff and I'll give you guys a chance to comment on it. So my first winner of the week, I have Nick. I think that's a pretty obvious winner. I don't think anybody's going to disagree with that. So the players that he brought in, Patrick Mahomes, Derrick Henry, Chris Carson, Juju Smith-Schuster, James White, Michael Gallup, Christian Kirk, and Malcolm Brown. While the players that he shipped out included Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, Jamison Crowder, Devontae Parker, Chase Claypool, Teddy Bridgewater, Mike Williams, and Gio Bernard. Obviously, Nick was very busy this week trading. Um, my thoughts on that is for specifically why Nick comes out of this week winning is that Patrick Mahomes is a huge upgrade over Teddy Bridgewater. No disagreements there. I think that Derrick Henry, and of course I'm talking when they're healthy, Derrick Henry and Chris Carson are a better duo than Kareem Hunt and Joe Mixon. And I'm specifically thinking of the long term when Nick Chubb gets back. I think it's going to be even more separated between those two duos. Um, but I will, of course, mention that I do believe that Devontae Parker, Jamison Crowder, and Chase Claypool are better than the wide receivers that Nick was able to bring home, which were Juju Smith-Schuster and Michael Gallup. So and while Christian I do... Th Kirk. Yeah, and Christian Kirk, that's true. While I do think that Nick got huge wins at the quarterback position and at the running back position, I will note that he exposed himself in a way by leaving himself not weak at wide receiver, but thin at wide receiver for sure. Um, I will note though, that the players that stayed put included AJ Brown, George Kittle, Zeke and Cam Newton. So not only did he bring in, you know, a handful of stars this week, but he's adding them onto players that are already in and of themselves stars, or at least they have star potential. And so again, wrapping up, Nick obviously weakened his wide receiver depth a little bit but he got at two absolute studs in Mahomes and Derrick Henry. And he has control of that Seattle backfield, which isn't, isn't a bad cherry to add on top uh, of the proverbial Sunday that he did this week with his trading. Any thoughts to add to that guys? Yeah. Um, practically, like you said, I think, I think what he brought in outweighs kind of what he put out. Um, and I think it was just a really big week for him just in general. Um, with the people that you brought in and, and kind of who you have on your team right now at that, there's no way of looking at this and saying, I don't know if Nick won this week with his trades because right. it's, it's very, to me, it's very one-sided. Yep. And Nick, obviously you feel like you won. Otherwise you wouldn't have made the deals. So yeah. Yeah. We're having a big press conference at my house tomorrow. Welcoming these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You better tell Cam no, to get have... his act together. That's right. I like the way he dresses, but not the way he plays lately. Hey, he yeah. got benched, so you better hope he keeps playing. Yeah, that's right. My second – Okay, good. My second winner of the week – again, I am holding myself accountable to my word. So I'm picking Jake as my second winner of the week. He, of course, didn't have as big of a week trading as Nick did in terms of the quantity of players that he brought in and sent out. But the players that he brought in were Matt Ryan, DJ Moore, and Greg Ward Jr. And the players that he traded away were Will Fuller V, Adrian Peterson, and Preston Williams. And I'm basically just going to boil this down to 
Matt Ryan is obviously better than Andy Dalton, way better. Um, and then on the flip side, Will Fuller is only very slightly better than DJ Moore. And out of the remaining three players in the deal, I would want Greg Ward Jr. the most. And so I think this was a pretty, again, we talked about the reasoning for the trade on both sides earlier, but in terms of who walks away with more value added to their team, I think it's pretty clear to see that that's Jake. Uh, he filled a team need, and it was a need in a bad way for basically zero cost. Um, talking about his quarterback situation, of course. Um, and the zero cost part being that Fuller to DJ Moore isn't that big of a cost, right? It's not a big leap downward. I targeted, I, I talked about it earlier, but again, I, tar I targeted Jake's team here because he was virtually the only team with a big need at quarterback. And I knew I had to release one for no return this week. So this trade was mutually beneficial. Though in conclusion, I'll admit Jake got the better end when evaluating the trade itself from both sides. Anything to add, guys? Nope. Yeah, I don't really don't really have too much to add on that. Perfect. Uh, I think this is the segment where we might get some disagreements. Uh, losers. Michael was my first loser. And to recap, the players that he brought in were Kareem Hunt, Tyler Boyd, C.D. Lamb, Drew Brees, Chase Claypool, Teddy Bridgewater, and Tampa Bay's defense. Uh, on the flip side, the players that he sent out were Pat Mahomes, D.K. Metcalf, Chris Carson, Jonu Smith, Baker Mayfield, Malcolm Brown, and Chicago's defense. Now, my thought process for this was I would rather have the duo of Patrick Mahomes and Baker Mayfield than Drew Brees and Teddy Bridgewater. I would... Probably, even though it's really close now, I think in terms of evaluating the their name value, like the, the trade value of these two players, I think I would rather have DK Metcalf over Tyler Boyd. That's a very tough call for me to make, um, but I give the edge to the guy who's already had his buy. And then getting further into what he gave up versus what he got, I think Chris Carson and Johnny Smith as a duo are kind of equal in value to CD lamb and chase Claypool moving forward. But on the flip side, of course, Tampa Bay's defense is obviously a lot better than Chicago's defense. They've just been putting up monster weeks as kind of a lineup afterthought, which is a huge advantage in regard. I will say this in regard to the Monday night trades. I know Michael was in a tough spot with Odell Beckham jr. Going down for the season and Chris Carson being out, which again, Nick leveraged, by promising to Michael he was going to pick up Carlos Hyde with his number one claim. Um, so I do understand why Michael made the trades. I don't think that his team became better for them. You also forgot to mention, however, that Kenyon Drake is also going to be out for a few weeks, which is one of his other running backs. Yeah. Just at the end there with uh, guys getting hurt and not in his lineup anymore. Um, I'll just point out, initially I did think DK – would be better than Boyd the rest of the season. But I, my opinion has changed just by looking at the stats and the volume that Boyd gets. And he is the number one guy on that team. DK, I think, kind of splits that with Lockett. <clears throat> and so I think going forward, even though the name DK Metcalf, I think, is bigger and more attractable than Tyler Boyd, I think Tyler Boyd will be better. Um, and, uh, well, those two defenses, Tampa and Chicago, I used to have <laughs> both this year. Yeah. Um, 
for me, even with the point with uh, with Drake, it, it just kind of nails his coffin in, in this section as a loser for the week, um, kind of with his trades. I think he's just in a really tough spot, and he had to make some moves that he felt were best for him um, for the short time. But it, it, it kind of in the long run and everything, I think it was just really bad. And one thing that I'm not sure I necessarily agree with is the Chris Carson and John Smith comparison to CD and Claypool being equal. Um, because I think with Chris Carson and Janu, I think obviously Carson's out right now, but consistency wise, I think Carson and Janu are going to put up more consistent numbers than CD and Claypool. And I think I lean a lot heavier on that Carson and Janu side than that CD and Claypool side, um, at least on, on my end. Earth stands to take. Yeah. Uh, this is the one that's, that I think is really going to draw disagreement for you from you guys, but I don't know. Cause I haven't talked to you about it yet. My other loser for the week is Scott. So to recap, Scott brought in Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Jonathan Taylor, Jonu Smith, Travis Fulgham, and the Colts defense. The players that he traded away were Aaron Jones, Ryan Tannehill, Michael Thomas, Cooper Cup, Devontae Freeman, Jalen Rager, and Kansas City's defense. Now I think my reasoning for this part of it is that is if you look at kind of the top group of Aaron Jones versus Jonathan Taylor obviously there's a big gap between those two players um looking at it a little bit further Michael Thomas and Cooper Cup I think that that duo takes the edge of course there's the caveat when they're on the field um, which I guess should be considered as a factor but I am expecting that Michael Thomas is back on the field if not this week, next week at the very latest. That's kind of my expectation through all these valuations with, with that deal in particular. But I would take Michael Thomas and Cooper Cup over Tyler Lockett and Travis Fulgham. He obviously got the better quarterback with Russell Wilson over Tannehill. And I know that this pick of Scott being one of the two losers kind of seems like a contradiction based on my pick for trade of the week in which I complimented Scott for kind of correcting what I perceived to be his mistake and leaving himself vulnerable at running back but I want to note that I think Scott mostly moved laterally here as in his team didn't necessarily get better or worse on paper and based on how his team was performing leading up to this week uh, where he was the number one scorer in the league and he was the second seed he still is uh, so he didn't move necessarily but I think when you're performing that well I just think when you shake up your roster in a big way after rolling through all of your opponents throughout the first seven weeks, that it's really risky. Um, and for me, I'm, I'm a little bit more risk averse than some people. I think it was too risky. Now I'll admit sometimes risks have to be taken. And I think that's something that we can all understand as experienced fantasy football players. But again, Scott's team was rolling and he didn't even he didn't even get the chance to add Michael Thomas's production to his lineup yet. I've talked all season about how he had Julio Jones, Stefan Diggs, Michael Thomas to kind of lead his wide receiver core. He didn't even get to get any production out of Michael Thomas before he moved him. And, and again, maybe that'll be favorable timing for him if Michael Thomas doesn't come back. But I thought he was already sitting on, I was going to call him the scariest team in the league. And now I just, I don't think that his team is bad by any means. I think it's still one of the top teams in the league easily, but I don't necessarily know what to think of it until I kind of see all the fresh players in his lineup. Um, so maybe in hindsight, 
Uh, we'll look back at this segment as a big fail with me getting it completely wrong on calling Scott a loser coming out of this week. And, and we'll, it'll seem like Scott sold high at the perfect time on a lot of these players. Uh, but maybe him shaking it up does prove to be a mistake. Time will kind of tell on that. What are yeah. your guys' thoughts? I think I, I honestly wouldn't have him in a losers right now, to be honest. I think he made some moves that he kind of, he needed to make. I think he flipped Michael Thomas for a person who hasn't played all year and got something for him um, and kind of turned that around. Um, you know, bringing in Russell Wilson, Tyler Lockett, Jonathan Taylor, Jonu Smith, and Travis Fulgham. I'm, I'm kind of big on Travis Fulgham. Obviously, he's an Eagle, and I hate the Eagles with a passion. But looking at him, you know, he's so young, and he has so much potential. He is huge. He's a big dude. Um and the things that he's been able to do and consistently do it this year, I, th I think, you know, Fogum's only going up from here. You know, he's obviously had a couple big games already this year, so it's kind of hard to keep going up, but that's just kind of how I feel about him. Um, you know, Russell Wilson consistently will give you those numbers um, on a weekend and, and week out basis. You know, I don't think he's going to consistently stay in the 30, 35, you know, I think it'll kind of drop down as the season kind of comes to an end. Um Tyler Lockett obviously isn't going to give you that consistent production every week of 50 points like he had, but he's going to give you your 15 to 20 points on a weekly basis. Jonathan Taylor, another young guy coming in. He's a rookie. He's kind of setting his mark in Indianapolis and he's just going to keep improving to me as the year goes on. John Smith, a consistent tight end across the board. Um, and then that Colts defense, again, really good defense that he's bringing in there. You know, obviously it hurts to lose Aaron Jones. But I think with the players that he let go and kind of what he brought in, um, you know, I, I wouldn't consider him a winner, but I really wouldn't consider him a loser at all. You know, I think it, it, it kind of balances out for him, in my opinion. Nick, anything to add? I think that's where I'm at. I definitely wouldn't label him a loser. I would say it's a term that you coined or that you shared earlier, Nate, that it's risky. But then looking at it, analyzing it kind of comparing position by position i'm, I'm uh, confused why you didn't do this Nate, with your analysis on making him a loser because i would rather have russell wilson than ryan Tannehill. um i would rather have tyler lockett and travis fulgham than michael thomas and cooper cup i, I would rather have i'd rather have colts over kansas city um the only one that's a downside to me is taylor uh, uh versus aaron jones the only comparison I left out that you just mentioned was the defenses. I I mentioned that I would rather have Thomas and Cup over Lockin and Fulgham. So that's that's where we disagree. Yeah, I do have to introduce some breaking news that I'm very disappointed. I'm I'm I don't even know if I can comment because I'm really disappointed in this. Uh, Keegan traded away to Eddie, Todd Gurley, and Marvin Jones for Leonard Fournette and Corey Davis. And at the same time, he traded away Tim Patrick and Darren Waller to Scott for Travis Fulgham and Hunter Henry. I think that Keegan loses on both of these trades and loses in a big way in his trade with Eddie. But I will stop there. If you guys have any additional comments to that live update, feel free to make them. I think, I think with my trade with him, he's hurting at wide receiver. Um, you know, Corey and, and, helps. and Corey Davis helps against Marvin Jones, you know, Marvin Jones hasn't consistently been putting up Corey Davis coming in every game that he's played. He's, he's consistently 
done well. Obviously, he missed a good chunk of games, but I think it, it's a good boost for him. That Leonard Fournette one, I threw it up to him. I was like, you know, he came back and he had a really good game this past week for Leonard Fournette, you know, put up 15 points. You know, it's something that he hasn't really done all year coming back from the injury. And I told him, I was like, you know, I think it's 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 only up for him realistically for the end of the year. I think they're really going to start using him. They threw the ball to him six times last week, which is something that, you know, most people don't do with Leonard Fournette. You know, I, I, you don't see Leonard Fournette catching many balls out of the backfield. And I think that the um, the Bucks have found a little something to keep both Ronald Jones and him in there and kind of give Fournette some extra targets coming out. Um, but obviously I like my side of the trade, but I think I'm taking a risk of bringing in Marvin Jones because he hasn't been so consistent this year, but the upside with Gurley is kind of what, what have you started Corey Davis at all this year? <laughs> that was my point. You're not risking anything. <laughs> Listen, I haven't really needed to. Oh. If you look at it, it so kind of with that, that, that point there. that, but with the point that with that Nick brought in last week, you know, he was talking about Philip Lindsay and we said, Oh, why don't you start him? And he says, I haven't needed to, even though he's been performing consistently, obviously he got hurt. And it yeah, I know. And out for him. he was crushing that game. Yeah. So I, for me, obviously I like the trade, but yeah. Uh, well, any, any, it. well, any thought Eddie before Nick jumps in, any thoughts on Keegan's trade with Scott? I haven't actually – can you mention it, that again? Because I didn't really look Keegan at it. Keegan gave up Tim Patrick and Darren Waller and got Travis Fulgham and Hunter Henry. Um, I think Darren Waller for Hunter Henry is, is, is a little bit of a, a little bit of a stretch there. Like I said, I like Fulgham a lot. And I mentioned that even before this trade even went through. I'm a big fan of Fulgham. So I think – I think he got something good there. The The part of that trade that kind of I'm not really 100% sure about is that Darren Waller, Hunter Henry. Um, but, you know, Hunter Henry being with the Chargers and a young quarterback, I've, like I said it before, you know, a lot of those young quarterbacks rely on those big tight ends sometimes. So I think Hunter Henry kind of has that room to, to kind of grow a little bit. Um, Nick, your thoughts on yeah. both trades? I don't want to analyze it too much. That one specifically, Waller, way better than Henry. Mm-hmm. Definitely upside for Scott. Fulgram, better than Patrick. Um, and good on moving Patrick out when Je- when he got hurt. And I d- honestly don't think he's going to produce the numbers he has. I think he's going to have a big drop-off. Um, but I think it, I was waiting for something to happen during the show to have break breaking news. I'm glad. I'm not necessarily glad about the trades, but I'm glad something happened. But this was good also on Eddie and Scott. When, when somebody in the league says all my, you know, just basically has a cry for help when Keegan says he wants to trade away all of his players to get mentioned on the podcast, it's kind of a joke, but then it's, it perks your ears as an owner. Like, mm-hmm. you know what? I'm going to contact him. And if anybody didn't think, think that to think to contact Keegan, well, they're not managing their team. Right. And I think yeah. I think a, a thing on Keegan's side here, I don't I don't think he's throwing either because some people could look at this and say, you know, he's yeah, right. I definitely don't think he is. I either. don't think so, because that second trade, I think, has a lot of upside for him. Realistically, I think it was a pretty good trade for him. Realistically. I like. Yeah, I like um, Keegan getting active in the trades. Yeah. And um, I think obviously only with my side with my side, it, it looks a little more lopsided than anything else. But again, he, he needed that help. And. I kind of threw it in there for him. Not saying it was an amazing trade, but I kind of hit him where he needed it. And that's all. I'm we say. can move on from that. Yeah, let's I, I disagree completely with both 
trade more so Eddie's because I don't see where Keegan is getting help. But I we we obviously went over it of all of our opinions on it. So I don't want to focus too much on it. I think if Keegan was serious about getting mentioned on the podcast, he got the attention that he was craving. <laughs> <laughs> so we will uh, move on from that and yep. get into our around the league segment. Eddie, you can go ahead and pick us up. Yeah. There. So welcome to our around the league segment. Uh, this week, you know, we're, we're getting back into that fantasy over-under. Uh, last week was a really rough week for me. Um, I'm sitting at two and four right now, and Nate's also sitting at two and four. Obviously, we have Nick in there. He's sitting at zero and zero. This is kind of his first week doing these projections. Um, so for the very first one, I have Russell Wilson over-under 25. Um, for me, I'm taking the over here. I don't think that, you know, the 49ers, they have a good secondary. But the fact that Carlos Hyde is going to be in that backfield and not Chris Carson, I think Russell Wilson's going to throw the ball a little bit more this week and, you know, try to get the ball out there to some of the star receivers and everything. So for me, I'm taking the over on, on this one. Good, Nick. Yep. I'll jump in and I'm definitely taking the over. Let Russ cook. Mm. And he's been cooking it up all year. Um, I'd be surprised if he didn't go over. Yeah. I agree. I'm taking Russell Wilson over 25 points versus San Francisco. All right. Next, I have George Kittle over under 17. They play Seattle's defense. Hasn't been very strong this year, realistically, their defense. Um, you know, I think with Jimmy G coming back in and kind of getting a little bit more settled after that, that really weird come back after he came back after the injury and he had a really rough week um, with them getting settled down. I, th I think I'm going to take the over here at 17 with Kittle. I think that they can use Kittle and kind of ex exploit a little bit of that defense um, on the Seahawks side and kind of get him, get him the ball a little bit more, especially with Depot being out. I think Kittle's going to see some more, some more of those touches. Yeah. Kittle's on my team and I love having George Kittle. I love watching him play. I love watching his interviews. He's a pretty funny guy. I think he goes over. I think um, San Francisco is going to have to try to keep up with Seattle. I think Seattle is going to put up points. Kittle's their main weapon. I think he's their best player period on their team. They're going to have to look to him. So I'm taking the over. I agree. I'm taking the over George Kittle over 17 points versus Seattle. <laughs> it almost sounded like you're initially going under then you're like i'm changing my mind <laughs> yeah 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 um all right and the next one i have here uh is mike davis obviously he's been having a tremendous year with christian mccaffrey being out obviously last week was a little bit of a damper for him only had 8.6 points but i'm going over under here 17 points they play atlanta's defense who has played very bad this year is it 17 or 20? I think you gave us 20 before. Yeah, I think it's 20 and 17 for Kittle. Oh, yeah, 20, 20, 20. My fault. I was looking up at the top. I all forgot good, to pull good. it down a little bit. But, yeah, over under on 20. Um, I'm taking the over here. I'm smashing the over on this one. I think the Falcons' defense just can't do anything right this year, and I think he's just going to have a really good week. Dude, I'm taking the under on 20. I would have taken the under on 17. I might even take the under on 10. Um Mike Davis is on Kyron's team, right? He's definitely yeah. going to have a bad game. <laughs> <laughs> and obviously, I, this over-under kind of depends because Christian McCaffrey can get activated this right. Yeah. So, you know, the, yeah, I'm just taking the under. I think he's had actually a pa – like past two weeks have been pretty rough for him, I think. 
And yeah. Uh, yeah, I think he's just on a downward trend. And I think if they get a chance, they're definitely going to want CMC out there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, I, and I, I, go, ahead. Oh, go ahead. No, you got it. I am also going to take the under here because Mike Davis has barely topped 20 points over his last two games. He has 20.1 fantasy points total over his last two games. So I'm going to take the under. Okay. And then I kind of want to throw this in there. If Christian McCaffrey does come back this week, over under of 20 on Christian McCaffrey. Over. Also taking the under. I'm taking Ooh, the over. I want to hear both sides on this one. I'm taking ahead, the over. Sorry, Nate. I'll, I'll Go jump. Good. I'm taking the over because if he's going to be on the field, they're going to use him. He's going to get receptions are the big reason why I would pick the over. If he's going to be on the field, they're going to use him in that receiving game. And I think that alone is going to take him pretty close to 20 plus than any carries he gets. And any, any, obviously, I think when he's on the field, he scores. He's going to get at least one touchdown. So, yeah, I would take the over for CMC. I'm going to tell you why you should pick the under, Eddie. And it's because if CMC does get activated this week, obviously we don't have any announcement yet. It's going to be a late week activation from the injured reserve. And so he's not going to be the bell cow running back in that offensive game plan this week. They're going to split the workload between him and Mike Davis. And not only that, but Teddy Bridgewater has found a lot of chemistry with both Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore. And so while of course, when McCaffrey is in the game for the amount of snaps that he gets on the field, if he's activated, he will be a factor. He will get touches. I just think it's going to be limited both by them trying to ease him back in. If he is activated with Mike Davis having produced while he's been out and because Teddy Bridgewater has already shown that he can get it done through the air with Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore on the field. Yeah. And I think for me here, you know, there's points that obviously both of you kind of brought up, but I think the main point is him coming back so late in the week. Um, you know, it, they, they said he's been practicing obviously all week, so they could be building a game plan for him this week and could be putting him in there. Um, but I just can't see him getting all his reps back right away, especially after coming back after being out so long. Um, Cause it's just, they're not going to use him to his fullest potential right away. doesn't make sense. There's a chance that he can get hurt again if they just do it straight up that way. Um, so I'm going to go with the under here. I think if he does come back, I think he scores anywhere between 10 to 15 points this week. Um, but I don't think he'll go over 20. Sure. This is an ex this is a this is a segment that I am very excited for because I think that this is the best week yet that I've put this together. So uh, for those of you that have been listening, I'm sure you will recognize it by now. I grab two players of the same position, give Eddie and and this week give Nick the stats, uh, their averages, you know some factors to consider. And they will make the pick on which player they would rather have without actually knowing who these players are. The segment is called player A or player B. So this week, for the first time, I was actually able to get some running backs in here, which I'm excited about. Nice. And that's what I'm going to lead off the segment with. So starting with running back A, this player has averaged 65 rushing yards and one rushing touchdown on 16 carries per game while also catching five passes for 30 yards in each game. And I, I would encourage, I hear some clicks. Don't, don't go searching for who this is. He's averaging 18.5 fantasy points per game through seven weeks. Player B is averaging 69 rushing yards in one rushing touchdown on 15 carries per game 
while also catching four passes for 32 yards in each game. He is averaging 19.1 fantasy points per game through seven weeks. Hmm. Anybody need anything repeated? How many uh, touchdowns (laughs) between the two? Total on the year? Yeah, between the two. Let me figure it out. It'll take me about five seconds to do this. No, you're good. Player A has six touchdowns on the season. Mm-hmm. Player B has also six touchdowns on the season. <laughs> so who would you rather have, player A or player B? Uh, this is a tough one for me. Um, I think I'm going to go – I think I want to go B here. Uh, Tell me why. I think I, don't, I just it's it's really hard differentiating the two, and I think the biggest difference here. I guess one thing, one additional question that I asked. Sure. Are those six touchdowns just rushing touchdowns, or are they also included receiving touchdowns if they have received any? Also including receiving touchdowns. Okay, so that doesn't help me at all. The splits, if you want to know. Player A has five rushing, one receiving. Player B has four rushing, two receiving. Okay. Kind of splitting hairs here. Yeah, I'm going to go B here, just from the four to two. And this is just kind of like a a really small thing to nitpick at. But the catches that he's been receiving in a game, he's been able to do a little bit more. Not a lot. Sure, it's a close a, comparison. Yeah, so it's splitting a, it's hairs a very, is yeah. reasonable. Yeah, uh, he's just been able to do with a little more with those catches out of the backfield. Yeah, Nick, what are your thoughts, player A or player B? Yeah, honestly, it is splitting hairs. There's not like a big determining factor why I would choose B, but because I'm choosing B, I'm guessing that player doesn't have as big of a name as player A. Player A is Ezekiel Elliott, and yep. player B is James Robinson. Yep, I knew exactly what was. I didn't know the players, but I knew exactly that player A was going to be the big cowbell name. Yeah. I w- I'll tell you what, I wasn't expecting James Robinson on that second one at yes, all. Yes, sir. Yeah. That's so a, that's James Robinson has been running back two overall on the year, and Zeke is right behind him, running back three on the year. Neither have had their bye. James Robinson has his this week. Gotcha. So, and that's then this, this, this next one I think might even be a little bit spicier, uh, or at least intriguing. This is a group of wide receivers. Wide receiver A has averaged six receptions on seven targets for 67 yards. This player has scored two touchdowns on the season and holds a weekly average of 14 fantasy points per game. Wide receiver B has averaged four receptions on six targets for 45 yards and a touchdown. And this player has scored a whopping six touchdowns on the season and holds a weekly average of 13.3 fantasy points per game. And I think this is super interesting because they're kind of like opposite players. So I'll ask you guys, <laughs> and I'll start with Nick. Would you rather have player A or player B? Man, I feel like I know these two players. I'm thinking the same thing here. And um, after, after you guys tell me who you'd rather have and why, and you both answer me, I'll give you both a chance to guess who the pair is. Okay. Oh, I mean, how do you choose a guy with two touchdowns over a guy with six? I mean, I personally like volume more than the three to four average receptions, but 
I mean, there's obviously a connection between the wide receiver and his quarterback with if he has six touchdowns on the year. So I'd have to go there. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to choose the opposite side of this. I like more consistency with receptions and yards than being touchdown dependent. Um, Because touchdowns don't come very often. Um, Obviously receptions don't either, but they come a lot more often than touchdowns Um, and being able to kind of keep it up consistently and average more points per week with the receptions that he's receiving and the yards um, and not as many touchdowns. I, I kind of like that a little more than the other end. I think that each of you know who the player is that you picked. So I'm going to say, Nick, guess the player that you picked. DK Metcalf. No, actually, I was surprised that you didn't get it right. I'm going to come back. To, I'm going to come back to you. Eddie, who did you pick? I had two in my mind. Give me the first one because I'll come back to you. If I you're think wrong. the first one I know for sure, but and I could be wrong. And I'm pretty sure one, they're Eddie. both on my team. I'm going to go with Cole Beasley. For the that first is correct. One. Eddie yeah. chose Cole Beasley over Ooh. Nick. Who was it? I don't picked? know. <laughs> Mike Evans. Ew, Cole, Cole Beasley over Mike Evans. <laughs> <laughs> who would have guessed that coming into the fantasy season that it was a that it would be a legitimate argument that Cole yeah. Beasley is a better fantasy wide receiver than Mike Evans. Uh, isn't that funny? Yeah, Listen, that's, that's that's one transaction that I think I'm most proud of this year is picking up Cole Beasley from the wire. Hey, you I, know I, why Mike Evans is worse than Cole Beasley this year? Why because that? he's on Kyron's team. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> Oh man! Oh, I like Kyron. It just is too funny. His team is just really bad. It's just it's easy to make fun of. Yes, sir. All right, we're we're getting close to the end of the episode here. This is a quick little segment called Transaction of the Week. You can choose an ad drop, a claim, a trade, whatever you want. Um, my pick for Transaction of the Week, pretty easy for me because it was unique. Eddie adds Antonio Brown. Ooh, was yeah. not expecting that. That's uh, I'm gonna be honest here. That's actually who I had to. Oh my god! Yeah, I mean, I think it was the it was just the timing and everything worked out for me. I think it's one of those things that has a very high upside, but it also has a very 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 low floor, um, and it can go really bad for me. Or but at zero cost, you literally yeah, didn't even drop yeah, anybody. Like I didn't have to drop anyone. I had the spots available on my roster, and even if I had to drop someone. I had people that I could drop that I really wasn't using very much. Um, and I just, I just like that addition just in general. Sure. Nick. Uh, I had two, one was my own kind of like patting myself on the back. Like Eddie is, I think Gio, <laughs> Gio, I think Gio was a savvy and yes, savvy Eddie. I think he was a That's savvy a- <laughs> pickup. I got to use him this week. He gave me over 20 points and then I got to dish him off to Sean, which made sense on both ends. And I get a need at wide receiver and he gets to ensure that backfield. So I think that was a good move. I used them when I had them. And then I also got something out of them. And I, I do like Michael's out of Gronk. Um, I think he's becoming more consistent and I think he's going to serve Michael's team well at tight end, um, especially with him now dishing off John o. Smith. So I think that's a good move, but the move of the week actually, I think turned into the worst move of the week. Um, and the best ad of the week was Sean picking up Jeff Wilson. My name is Jeff. Jeff Wilson scored three touchdowns this week, but it's the worst because Sean didn't start him in a matchup. He desperately needed those points. 
And then you think, okay, well, that's not a big deal. At least I got him. You know, at least he's going to start to get the ball more in San Francisco's banged up backfield. But no, he gets hurt. Now he's banged up and Sean can't use him, period. He had the opportunity to use him big time in a big three touchdown week. And well, that, that was wasted away on his bench. Yeah, that's an under the radar pick. I yeah, agree. It definitely that. was. Yeah. I, uh, I didn't even really think about that one that way. But yeah, I agree with that. All right. So wrapping up with our very last segment, uh, kind of news and notes, talking about injuries, any rumblings around the league. Uh, but we're focusing on injuries this week because a couple big ones happened. First, Odell Beckham Jr. out for the season with a torn ACL. Uh, and I will ask to you guys, I already gave you my take on a specific player. Is this a boost or a hit to anyone's value? Of course, not including Odell Beckham Jr. himself. Um, I think I think it's a boost. Um, I think to Baker Mayfield himself. I think he, and you mentioned this earlier, he doesn't have to worry about forcing that ball and giving everyone the ball with Odell Jarvis Landry and his tight ends there. Um, he kind of has a little bit more room to kind of step back and get his targets without having to force the ball to Odell because having Odell on your offense, I think any quarterback will try to force it to Odell for Odell to make a play. And right now he kind of has a chance to kind of step back and not make those mistakes. Um, and I personally think that's why he also had such a big game this past week with Odell missing a majority of that game. He kind of had a chance to settle down and not force things to Odell. Um, another, another boost is Jarvis Landry. I think Jarvis will kind of get a little bit more love going forward. Now he doesn't really have to split that number one wide receiver duties with, uh, with Odell there. He kind of gets a little bit more of that love coming back towards him. So, Yeah. The one thing I don't agree is uh, I'm not sure if Baker, maybe he does have an upside. And um, I, I, I'm just un, am unsure that he has an upside because of uh, Odell getting hurt. But I do agree um, that uh, what's his name? The receiver you just mentioned. Landry. He gets a boost. Landry. Yeah, I like yeah. Jarvis Landry. Bless him. <laughs> I think he <laughs> definitely gets a, gets a boost. I think he's a very talented receiver that hasn't been performing well fantasy-wise this year. I think he'll do better. And Baker has a connection with Higgins. And I think that connection is going to uh, show its strength over the next uh, well, remainder of the season. I think Higgins is going to be a valuable add uh, to any roster that picks him up. And apparently he has a connection to the third string tight end, Harrison Bryant, who had two touchdowns. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and outside of that, a huge reception as well. I, I made that hot take earlier because – Baker, if you look at his historical numbers targeting Odell, he's actually a much, much worse passer throwing the ball to Odell versus throwing to anybody else in that offense. So that's why I made my hot take. I think Eddie kind of hit the nail on the head with him feeling pressure to target Odell. Mm -hmm. But getting into, our, yeah, yeah. getting into our last note here, again, kind of keeping with the injury theme, um, but looking at the big picture. So Joe Mixon, Chris Carson and Kenyon Drake are all week to week or out for multiple weeks. And that's not even including, you know, some of the smaller guys, like you just mentioned, Jeff Wilson is out for multiple weeks. I think even longer than that. Uh, but the larger point is adding to these running back injuries with a group of guys like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler, and Nick Chubb. One, does this affect the way that you value running backs for the rest of this season? And two, Looking ahead to next year, I know it's early, but looking ahead to next year, do you think it would change your draft strategy at all uh, with respect to running backs for next season? Um, I'm going to go ahead 
for next season, I'm going to say no. I think this year it, it was just really rough on everyone in general. You know, people weren't able to get kind of that preparation before the season to kind of take care of their bodies and, and go about it as they should. And I think that's why a lot of those injuries have come up this year and a lot of people have gotten hurt. I think it's mainly from, you know, them starting so quick and having such a short time to train with each other. Um, running backs are going to be running backs. Obviously, it'll kind of think you'll, it'll make you think a bit about, you know, those big name running backs are thinking, you know, if Saquon comes back next year and he's not the running back that he was these past couple of years, you know, do, do you think about possibly rostering that backup just in case or, you know, or any of these other running backs in a matter of fact, um, but I don't think for me, it won't really change whether I'm pulling one of these running backs in the first round or not. Yeah, I think personally for me, it doesn't change the way I value running backs now or in the future, but I do think a trend uh, is likely to start in, in drafts next year. People drafting the backups of not just the big name guys, but maybe even more so other starting running backs mm -hmm. in the league. I think that might become more of a trend, getting them earlier in the season rather than later. It doesn't, I don't think that's something I would do, but I can see that starting to take place. Yeah. I agree with what you guys said. I don't, doesn't really nothing groundbreaking for my valuation of running backs. Uh, I'll probably still draft running back in one of the first two rounds, if not both next season. So it doesn't really change much for me, but it is interesting to note how many big star running backs have gone down to injury so far this season. Yeah. I will uh, kind of wrap up by giving the floor to Nick to talk about, and he doesn't even know that I'm doing this. No, talk about, doing to talk about a topic that has been a hot topic of discussion, either people making jokes about it or people getting a little bit annoyed about it, but it's been in the discussion of trades while negotiations are ongoing. So I'll just give you a quick little minute to state your thoughts slash concerns on that. Go ahead, Nick. Oh, thanks for the preparation you gave me. And let me know <laughs> I'm going to do it right now. But yeah, I do. So yeah, I do feel very strong that if you have trade negotiations, talks happening between yourself and another owner in that league, that you should not be contacting other owners and mentioning specifics about that trade with people that are in that league. I think that gives, especially that that's been happening a lot to people reaching out to Nathan this year. And we see Nathan has a star studded team. And I think what happens there is they don't mean to do it in the moment, but they're giving a lot of intel to Nathan and yeah, he's my brother. So I can, I can kind of pinpoint it and call it out a little bit more than maybe somebody I don't know, but they're giving a lot of intel to him for him to be aware of who's being offered, what's being offered for them. Are they being seriously considered uh, for that offer, uh, whatever the players are coming in and where the, what players are going out. And then that helps him make roster moves for himself and either look to acquire thinking I can make this deal a little bit better, at least play it better from my side, better than that other person, whether that's immediately or in a week or two. So I think that is not a good thing to do within your own league contacting, um, you know, guys you're playing with in a deal that doesn't involve them. I, yeah. I don't think that helps and, at all. And I honestly, I couldn't agree with you more. Uh, Nate and I have had this conversation, even when my trades are going through, I, I never bring up, the players or the person usually that I'm in contact with. Um, and I think that's just mainly because I know, I know that from kind of the, the way that I, I've noticed the trends, you know, Nate normally let, like we both normally know 
kind of what's going down or who's talking to who type situation. Um, and, you know, I, I haven't seen Nate deliberately go out and use this information for personal gain. Um, could it possibly happen? Someone talked to him three weeks ago about something and now he's like, I think now is the time because people have forgotten about it type thing. Yeah, it could happen. Um, but I just think overall for us to have a really good league or a better league, I think it's just best to cut those communications and make those decisions yourself. I understand that a lot of the people in this league or a decent amount of people in this league are new to fantasy. So they want kind of those, those, the tips and tricks on how to trade and kind of what they should do. Um, but coming so close to the end of the season and with everything that's going on, you know, I don't, I don't think it's a great strategy to let other people in the league know kind of what offers you're fielding and what you're doing. Um, you know, there's a couple of trades that I've made this year and I've offered to people and I'm like, I, I wonder if, if they're going to other people in the league and asking for advice or asking for questions. Um, I don't care if you ask for advice. I just necessarily don't feel like it should be within the league. I think it I should completely be an agree. outside voice. It's more than okay to ask for advice, just not within the league. Yeah. And I'll add one more point is even though like I know my brother, I trust him. I don't think he is out to sabotage me or others in the league, but anybody is going to have natural bias leaning towards one side or the other, and maybe not very strongly in the moment, but you're deliberately people. Yeah, yeah. Right. Maybe not very deliberately, but you're, you have some people in the league you want to see do well and others, you know, if you see them getting the better end of the deal and they're already doing well, you're th- you might, <laughs> you know, you don't want that deal to happen then, yeah. you know, those are teams you're going to have to compete with at the top. So those natural biases that just tend to take place um, no matter whether you think it's not affecting your judgment or not, I think it does. Yeah, I will say two things. One, I have always tried my best to be completely objective and give my honest feedback as if somebody that wasn't in the league was asking me about the deal. Um, But I will also comment context to, I'll add context to that comment in that I told Damon the same thing a few days ago, and I think he said it really well. He said that even if you were trying to remain 100% neutral and that's your intention in your own mind, there's still this implicit bias or, or advantage that you get later on because you then have ideas to go out and target people later on in the season. And I think exactly. that that's true as well. Like I've never deliberately or intentionally taken advantage of information when people have brought it to me to ask for my opinion. But I'm sure in the past two years when somebody's asked me about, hey, I'm thinking about trading away this player and I got this offer and then that deal didn't happen and maybe I went out and made an offer for that guy later in the year. I'm sure it's happened because a lot of people have asked me for trades. And the flip side of it is I'll say that I gave the space for this public service announcement to be made um, because of this next comment. And I kind of almost said the same thing to Nick and I've held off from actually engaging in this until I was able to give him the space to talk to the league about this publicly But if you so choose to come to me with offers in the future, even if they're within the league, and you ask for my opinion, which I've never inserted my opinion where it wasn't asked for, I will continue to give my opinion if you ask me for it. But that is with the caveat of me, um, I plan on texting the league to tell them to especially listen to the last five to 10 minutes of the podcast for this announcement. So you listen to this conversation 
make your own decisions. That's what I'm always encouraging is for people to make their own decisions. That's how I kind of give my advice is asking people questions about how they feel about the offers, things like that. I think Nick, Eddie, Damon, even I am advocating that they have very great points and that it could be altering in the sense of you're giving Intel away, which could be giving away your own competitive advantage. Um, but I will say that everybody gets to manage their own team. And so if somebody comes forward and requests for my opinion, I will still give you what I think in the most objective way that I know how. But again, only if you're requesting it from me, I will never go out of my way to seek out who's getting offers from who or inserting my opinion where it isn't asked for. So again, I think it's probably most beneficial for the league if people don't talk to each other. But me as a huge fantasy football advocate, obviously we have this podcast, you know how much I love fantasy football. Anybody's ever coming to me and asking me about trades, about moves, whatever, I'm always going to talk about it because I'm a huge advocate for fantasy football. But I do give that announcement with the caveat of Eddie, Nick, and Damon's points as well. Anything well, I want to yeah, I want to add, Nate. I want to say thanks for bringing it up, making the conversation happen. Though I think it should happen, and I'll say this is a part where I think everybody wanted to hear a little bit of Nick and Nate beef. Where my beef here is, you say that you honor the request of people asking for advice, but what about the request of people requesting to you, please, if my name is brought up in trade negotiations, do not discuss the negotiation, do not discuss the trade, because I know I've reached out to you about that. Like, hey, Nate, if somebody reaches out at, about a trade negotiation, negotiations happening with my team, can you just share with them, you know, Nick's reached out, he does not want me talking about trades happening with his team, so I'm gonna honor that request, but you say that you can't, deny requests, but you are denying a request there. I think I've mitigated the, so you're asking me to stay out of it basically for all the points that we just talked about in the last 10 minutes, right? Exactly. I didn't, we didn't miss and, anything. And your point was that you can't deny a request because one, the big reason is you like talking about it. You like fantasy football, which I think you have your outlet boom right here in the fantasy podcast or in the podcast. Um, and so I just don't think that's a valid point that, that you can't deny requests because you are denying the request of somebody requesting and asking of you, please don't talk about my team if it doesn't involve you in trade negotiations. Well, my largest, that, that's a valid argument. My largest point is people can do what they want with their team and the management of their team. And so I'm saying if anybody comes to me, that's their decision. And if I choose to respond to them or not, that's my decision. It's not hinging off of them coming to me or somebody else asking me to stay out of it. Everybody's choice over the dialogue that they have surrounding trade negotiations, that's their decision to make and their decision only. So I think that's my large overall point. But I did, I thought it was important enough to bring up and lend the conversation to the rest of the league via the three of us talking about it here at the end of the podcast. Um, so if anybody has anything to add to close us out. Nope. Eddie. It's been fun guys. I, I know we ended it. Like My bad. Old, I was a uh, you know, heated topic, but it's, it's really been fun. I think uh, to kind of come through it all, I think uh, it's something that I want to put into a vote next year um, and just get a general feel for everyone and see with trade talks, should we ban cross-team communications with trades? Um, because I think it's been more of a problem this year than it has been in the past. And with this league kind of getting settled and owners kind of sitting down and making their mark with their teams, 
I think it starts to get a little messier right now um, because we all know each other and the more intel that you get, it's something that you can carry on into following years, not just that year. Um, so I think it's something that I want to put to a vote to everyone in the league um, and see how everyone feels about it. And it, for me, it's a majority rules type thing. Um, you if, can, I, I'll, I'll say this. I understand what you're saying. There's no way to police it though. You're right. There is literally no way to police it, but it's one of those things. It's just an honor code. Like you're in this league, you're paying to get in this league. You should at least have the, the dignity to actually be able to uphold to a league rule and not go out of your way to break that rule. Obviously I can't control you or police you to do it, but the least you can do if you're paying to get into this league is follow the rules within the league. I agree. Yeah. I so agree obviously that. it's up to a vote. It's up to what everybody says. Everyone's entitled to their own opinion, but it's something that I want to ask. Um, and could there possibly be some kind of punishment or something along those lines? I don't know if it'll need to get that serious, uh, but it's something that we'll we'll kind of talk about and discuss later on. That sounds good, Nick. Yeah. Uh, anything to say? But I know you. I know you kind of were wrapping up before Eddie brought that up. But any final words? Nope. Uh, like I shared just a few moments ago, it's been a, it's been really fun. I'm not sure if I will one be asked to come back on or two have the time with wrestling season starting up. But if there is a time and there is a request, I will honor that request. Uh, and I will come back on the podcast because it's been a lot of fun, guys. You guys do a good job. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. If we can get you back on, we'll definitely try. Uh, appreciate it. Again, we'll we'll kind of go in kind of our intro here. Thank you guys very much for making it out to this episode. Thank you very much, uh, Nick, for for coming to this episode here and kind of spicing it up for us a little bit and kind of giving us some extra conversations and dialogue. Uh, really appreciate that. Um, but again, this will be posted on Wednesday, the 28th, for those of you that are listening. Thank you very much. And you guys have a great day. Yeah.